Secrets Keepers Lost, Found, Then Lost Again Book 1 A Lake of Secrets, by Chip Amber Chapter 1 Simon woke up incredibly early that morning. Drowsy, as usual, but at least stupid Kelly was not around. Mum told him yesterday he can have the whole day off, but lazy as he was, he wasn't going to waste his first day of summer sleeping until the sun set down. No more school, Simon though, which was fine. No more frustrated teachers, teaching you how to get frustrated. No more wedgies or girlish smiles. Behind his back, just to get this straight. Kids get bored in summertime? That wasn't the case. Life could be easy or dreary, depending on the way you love to watch a glass with half the water it can hold inside. Dad had found a job for him, by the way, in the boathouse near the lake and he couldn't wait to start. He got out of the bed, rushed to the window and smiled. Yep. Summer was just begun. And that'd be a wonderful day, no matter what. Period. Mom. Mom. He yelled, slipping into his tea and running downstairs. The scent of freshly baked bread filled the kitchen and half of their house. Not so fast, baby. Mom said, as Simon dashed into the hall, his tea scrambling around his neck. The backside was on his chest, one sleeve hung about, his arm wagged uselessly in the air. My baby. Mom said. Simon turned and sheepishly smiled. It's already eight, Mom? He asked. Ten minutes left, honey. She said. Come in, drink your milk and have some breakfast. And Simon did. Come what may, breakfast was the best meal of the day in summertime. He hurried toward the table, and wolfed his bread. Nice weather sharpened his hunger and, besides, that was going to be a tiring day. Better not count on old John's snacks. He was good with boats, but not with small kids' hunger. You're going to the lake, aren't you? Asked Mum, standing up and taking his dirty plate to the sink. Tomorrow, maybe. He replied. James Comus says that someone new is moving in Flanders' house. You know it, this old creepy one. Down, in the valley. Jim says they are from Mars, which makes sense. He saw their spaceship. I mean, he found it. In the backyard he says. Jimmy Comus wouldn't find his head on his neck, baby, if by chance he remembers that he has one. Mom replied. But if you ask me if he would ever learn how to use it. Well, that's another story, dear. Simon chuckled. Do he have children, Mom? Jimmy Comus? I hope not. Come on, Mom. The new neighbor I mean. I don't know. But maybe he did. I think so, honey. We can invite them over. Yes, it's nice of you, Simon. It is, indeed. Maybe some new kid that doesn't suck. Baby. What? Do not use such word in my presence. Besides, your friends are nice guys. They're not. And I don't have friends, Mum. Well, I guess you should. I'll talk to your father, baby. Simon smiled, his big green eyes open wide. Catch you later, mum, he said. Then he stuffed his mouth with the last crumbles of his breakfast, and ran out of the kitchen, fleeing against the entry door. Baby, please, said mum after him, as he faded away in the hall. Don't be late. And, for once, do not get dirty and untidy. Which was absolutely something stupid to say. Of course, he would, he was ten, he was free and he was Simon. Besides, 
The day was great out there. Up in the sky there was not even a slight sign of a cloud. A light breeze blew from the lake, crammed with the scent of daisies and freshly cut grass. In the distance, down the slope and behind the lake, Simon caught the blue line of the water dangling lazily over the valley. Simon's house was on the top of a hill overlooking a vast meadow. A small grove grew on its sides. Kids used to play there. There was a tree house, made of boards kids had stolen from the pier. The same one that lately fell apart. It was off-limits, though, for Simon. Restricted area. He didn't care too much, yet. Pirates didn't use to hang around with scrawny girls and farting lads. The valley went downhill, passing by the mound, and melting into the lake after a fall. Close to the little promontory, that stood out as a fishbone from the mountain, was the little pier, where the grown-ups kept more of their crafts. Simon's next summer enterprise would be helping old Jonathan to fix up the boathouse and to tar the boats before the season began. A hard but fulfilling task, this year something like one million tourists was forecast to come by. He slammed the door open, and whistled by his house. Whoosh! Hey! Kelly leaned out from her room's window, and poked out her tongue. Simon turned up his eyes and poked out his back. Stupid Kelly. She was four years older than him, and four time dumber. She dressed like a doll when some stupid teenage guy was in sight, but she still played with dolls, when nobody was around. Stupid childish girlish stuff, Simon thought. Hey, weirdo. Mum said, you have to tidy up your room. She cried. She did not. I don't care. You have to. It stinks. It's not. He stopped and yelled back at her. It's just because mosquitoes don't like human sense. I'm not a mosquito. You're not. You're a tick. As you say, stupid boy, but I want your room clean for tonight. Friends will come over. I don't have friends. You have, and they suck. But are my friends the ones who are coming, not yours, idiot? Besides, Dad won't let us to the concert Saturday, if your room is still a mess. Well, I guess. I'll do. When you'll use wings instead of brooms. But, it makes no sense. Ah. 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 Simon laughed, and ran away. You. You cannot. She shouted, her voice is fading away. Well, why not? Today was the first day of summer. It was warm and bright and for a while school was a bad dream that wasn't going to come true. Yep. Simon was glad. And he had to. He could shout his joy over, no matter what sis had to complain. That was what made the world turn around nowadays. Plus, he had a job, a real one. Dash which meant for once pocket money to waste. He sprinted down the slope, and he reached the lake. As he got close to the water, the air became cool and pleasant. John. John. Simon called. The old man was in the boathouse somewhere. Simon reached the shed, puffed, bent down, his hands on his knees, and got his wind back. John. I'm here, said a voice from the inside. The small wooden shed was aged because of the dampness that came from the lake. It looked as it could hardly stand, ready to collapse at any moment. Simon used to play there in wintertime, well away from the treehouse, pretending that some dreadful pyre was hiding there. And it made sense, moreover, according to what Grandad said, in fact, a treasure was hidden somewhere in the lake. I'm ready, Simon said. So, Welcome aboard, replied Jonathan, 
coming out from the shed and wiping his hands on a tattered rag. Where do you want me to start? Hmm. Let me see. Right. There's a boat up there that needs some work. John said. Come. Simon followed him to the other side of the yard, where a twelve-feet-long boat stands suspended in midair on some easels. See. You have to remove the paint where it's peeling, said the old Jonathan, so that we can pass a new coat of paint on the whole side, then. Easy job. Simon said. The old man patted gently his head and ruffled his hair, then walked amused away. Simon rolled up the sleeves of his tee over his shoulders and began to work. Buffy, Jonathan's dog, watched him bored. Every now and then it yawned lazily, barking a woof. When Simon stopped to catch his breath. Yep. Easy to say, uh. Buffy puffed and rested its muzzle on its paws. Wise dog. Who cares about what lazy boys say? Round ten. Simon had to stop. It was getting hot and hot and he never felt so thirsty in his entire life. He ran to the other end of the yard and opened the tap. He wet his hair and his t-shirt. Then, right when he was about to bend to take a sip, his eyes fell on Flanders' house, which was not so far from where he stood. Someone was there. The windows in the second floor, he had always seen closed, were now wide open. From the attic, he could hear sharp loud voices coming out. On the porch, the front door was left open. Simon turned to see if the John was around. I take a break. He shouted. Then he ran away. His work, by now, could definitely wait. Chapter 2 Simon reached the first row of trees. If he jutted over the trunks, he could see how the creepy house was coming to life. Huge as it was, it could have been both a luxury resort or a haunted castle. The Flanders never lived there as long as he knew, but nobody dared to enter the place, not even under the daylight. Strange enough that someone could have thought to buy it. Ghosts, maybe? Simon hoped not. He couldn't invite ghosts over, could he? Anyway, Buffy the dog had followed him. It was nice of it, but what if a spirit came out, with chains or cobwebs or some of the scary stuff they like to use to fright people? You won't let me down, right, dog? He said. Buffy crouched at his side, and started rubbing its soggy nose against his leg. Simon moved forward, squatting near one of the trees. There was no one in sight, but a car was parked near an alley, its roof crammed with a pile of stuff. You should come and see the kitchen, dear, said a voice from inside. I know it, honey. I saw it when I first came to buy the house. It's beautiful. It's indeed. Have you seen the view from above? I did. There's some job to do, but I still think that's the best place around. Cheap too. I love the lake, honey, and I love that place. Me too. I'm sure we'll have a great time in this small town. Simon shook his head. We'll see. He said. Suddenly a shadow appeared in one of the rooms in the second floor. Simon caught a glimpse of it from an open window. A ghost? He asked to the dog. Buffy woofed. Probably not. But what else could it be? He could figure out something, but the idea of a ghost living nearby was way cooler. I can tell a ghost from a child. Simon protested as soon as Buffy barked its thoughts. Yet, he had never seen spirits in his life. And then, who would trust he enough to tell what was going on in that old manor? That wasn't an easy game to play. Since his old friend Kenny had moved with his family, 
he had no one to play with. There were a couple of kids he hung around with, and at least one or two he was kind of fond of. But he spent most of the time alone, lately, and he guessed nobody really cared about him anymore. Which was fine, by the way. Simon didn't like too much people who didn't like him in return. Okay. Grandad would have told him that it was a vicious circle. Mutual was the word he actually said. Just a noun to tell that dogs spin around chasing their tails. Nice word, however. He had to use it in some of his English assignments next year. Or with some of those losers that tease him around. Never been the brainy guy, but it was time to show some attitude. Friends suck, he thought, and he meant it. But, well, befriending a ghost was definitively okay, wasn't it? Besides, if accidentally the ghost was actually a boy, the poor kid would become the newcomer. Possibly the worst nightmare anyone their age could face, meaning all the spoiling things and everything. Jerks like Jack Sarbon were always around, and it wouldn't be the first time someone would get the boat to the other school just to avoid bullies making lives miserably. Plus, the new boy didn't know about Simon, nor the way other kids used to bother him. He could start over. We just have to think fast and be fast, dog. Before some one of these other stupid kids start playing with him, and bring him on the wrong side of the wall. It sounded great, in fact. A fresh start was what he really needed. Besides, Simon could show him around. The kid could think of him as a cool guy, way better than those jerks who think of him as the dumbest boy around. And that sounded like a plan to him. He might even take the boy to that small cave, the one he discovered on the eastern shore of the lake last summer. His private pirate hideout. Simon came close, as the shadow in the house approached the window. He crept forward a little, his heart pounding in his chest. Buffy yapped. Simon hid himself behind a trunk. Okay, lad, he thought. Go and don't mess it up. He moved from the tree. He stepped forward. He froze. Then he looked up. Engulfed. A girl, her hair the darkest color of the corn, came at the window. She leaned out then gave a glance to the lake. Wow. She shouted happily, as if beams of light were cast from her face. A girl? Simon said. The word disappointed didn't match the feeling he felt. What the? What am I supposed to do with a girl? The dog wagged its tail and pointed toward the house. Simon grabbed its collar, holding it firmly in place. Simon reached the first row of trees. If he jutted over the trunks, he could see how the creepy house was coming to life. Huge as it was, it could have been both a luxury resort or a haunted castle. The Flanders never lived there as long as he knew, but nobody dared to enter the place, not even under the daylight. Strange enough that someone could have thought to buy it. Ghosts, maybe? Simon hoped not. He couldn't invite ghosts over, could he? Anyway, Buffy the dog had followed him. It was nice of it, but what if a spirit came out? with chains or cobwebs or some of the scary stuff they like to use to fright people? You won't let me down, right, dog? He said. Buffy crouched at his side, and started rubbing its soggy nose against his leg. Simon moved forward, squatting near one of the trees. There was no one in sight, but a car was parked near an alley, its roof crammed with a pile of stuff. You should come and see the kitchen, dear, said a voice from inside. I know it, honey. I saw it when I first came to buy the house. It's beautiful. It's indeed. Have you seen the view from above? I did. There's some job to do, 
but I still think that's the best place around. Cheap too. I love the lake, honey, and I love that place. Me too. I'm sure we'll have a great time in this small town. Simon shook his head. We'll see. He said. Suddenly a shadow appeared in one of the rooms in the second floor. Simon caught a glimpse of it from an open window. A ghost? He asked to the dog. Buffy woofed. Probably not. But what else could it be? He could figure out something, but the idea of a ghost living nearby was way cooler. I can tell a ghost from a child. Simon protested as soon as Buffy barked its thoughts. Yet, he had never seen spirits in his life. And then, who would trust he enough to tell what was going on in that old manor? That wasn't an easy game to play. Since his old friend Kenny had moved with his family, he had no one to play with. There were a couple of kids he hung around with, and at least one or two he was kind of fond of. But he spent most of the time alone, lately, and he guessed nobody really cared about him anymore. Which was fine, by the way. Simon didn't like too much people who didn't like him in return. Okay. Grandad would have told him that it was a vicious circle. Mutual was the word he actually said. Just a noun to tell that dogs spin around chasing their tails. Nice word, however. He had to use it in some of his English assignments next year. Or with some of those losers that tease him around. Never been the brainy guy, but it was time to show some attitude. Friends suck, he thought, and he meant it. But, well, befriending a ghost was definitively okay, wasn't it? Besides, if accidentally the ghost was actually a boy, the poor kid would become the newcomer. Possibly the worst nightmare anyone their age could face, meaning all the spoiling things and everything. Jerks like Jack Sarbon were always around, and it wouldn't be the first time someone would get the boat to the other school just to avoid bullies making lives miserably. Plus, the new boy didn't know about Simon, nor the way other kids used to bother him. He could start over. We just have to think fast and be fast, dog. Before some one of these other stupid kids start playing with him, and bring him on the wrong side of the wall. It sounded great, in fact. A fresh start was what he really needed. Besides, Simon could show him around. The kid could think of him as a cool guy, way better than those jerks who think of him as the dumbest boy around. And that sounded like a plan to him. He might even take the boy to that small cave, the one he discovered on the eastern shore of the lake last summer. His private pirate hideout. Simon came close, as the shadow in the house approached the window. He crept forward a little, his heart pounding in his chest. Buffy yapped. Simon hid himself behind a trunk. Okay, lad, he thought. Go and don't mess it up. He moved from the tree. He stepped forward. He froze. Then he looked up. Engulfed. A girl, her hair the darkest color of the corn, came at the window. She leaned out then gave a glance to the lake. Wow. She shouted happily, as if beams of light were cast from her face. A girl? Simon said. The word disappointed didn't match the feeling he felt. What the? What am I supposed to do with a girl? The dog wagged its tail and pointed toward the house. Simon grabbed its collar, holding it firmly in place. Chapter 3 that night Simon went home really tired. After a short walk downtown, he found the time for a last dip. His hairs were still wet, and his shorts were drying on his body. He opened the door and noticed that all the lights were off. 
His sister was sitting on the couch watching some stupid TV shows. What's for dinner? He asked. Kelly grunted. What's for dinner, bimbo? Your dinner? Mine. I don't give a darn if you eat or starve to death. I do. Kelly said, without even looking back. Get lost. Okay. Okay. Okay, what? Time out, kid bro. Mom. Let me think, then. Mom. Mom's out. What's for dinner, hag? For you? Nothing, I guess. Come on, Kelly. You're late, baby. Kitchen's closed. Sis. There's some pizza left. In the oven. But I didn't say a word. Why? Kelly turned to him. Mom said, you're never going to eat in this house again, unless your room is sparkling bright, with all your stuff fitting in the right place. Simon shrugged and pulled away. So she always says. As you wish. Kelly said. Simon reached the kitchen and helped himself a huge slice of cold pizza. What about your friends coming over? Change of plan. Can't stand your sight, uh? Don't think so. This brat stood you up, uh, sis? What the? The one you like, I mean. Overheard you. Sorry. I am. You little. Don't mind, Kel. You deserve better. What? Brat looking for bra? What? Ops. You don't wear one. Don't need to. Patty Leonard's are bigger than yours. Hey. What's your problem? Simon shrugged. I care, Kel. I mean it. You don't know a thing. Simon wolfed his pizza and came closer. I saw the new neighbors. He said then, leaning toward the hall. His mouth full of food. Kelly picked up her ears. And? She asked vaguely, as if she was unconcerned. They seem okay. And? Simon said nothing, but once again disappeared into the kitchen. Kelly was tenterhook by then, he knew it. He counted up to five, then giggled. Hey. Tell me more, dumbhead. He heard Kelly saying. I thought you didn't care. I do. What? Tell me. You tell me. Tell you what? That I am the best brother a sister can have. Kelly got up off the couch and went into the kitchen. She was at least one foot taller than his brother, but Simon didn't back off. Not even when she pushed him away, her hands tight against his shoulders. You're the worst bug someone could be infested with. You know that because? Oh, I got it. You're so infested you know everything about bugs. Ask for mercy and I'll let you go. Kelly said. Why should I? You can't really hurt me. Are you sure, dwarf? That's not politically correct. Simon said back. Kelly pushed harder. This time Simon felt his shoulder pushing hard against the concrete behind him. But then... He moved quickly and let himself free from Kelly's hold. Catch me if. Simon slipped out from the wall, not caring his t-shirt getting torn. Kelly tried to grasp his now bare shoulder but he slid off. With a laugh he ran up the stairs, Kelly at his heels. Simon covered three steps at the time, jumping up to the landing. Kelly sprinted, trying to throw him to the ground. Missed. I'll make you pay for that. She shouted him back. You have to find me first. Too easy, dude. I know you're going to hide under my bed. 
Wrong, Simon thought. He walked into his parents' bedroom, in fact, and went to the ground, crawling under the king-size bed, just before Kelly reached the place. He rolled to his side, then, carefully avoiding to show himself off. Kelly turned her head away. Simon seized the moment, ran out from under the bed, and hided himself into the closet, in spite of her sister, that was giving the back to the open door. Come out, brat. The later I find you, the worse. Yes, of course. But this time I'm not the stupid one, thought Simon. A smell of aged stuff and old dresses filled the air in the closet. Simon crouched on the ground. Before Kelly could figure out where he was, some time had passed. Take your time, sis. He said very softly. You're easier to outguess than I am. He sat and pulled his knees to his chest. Then he waited. Hey, Simon. Stop being stupid. He heard Kelly said. Come out. Now. Simon knew that she had no patience. He would enjoy this part of the show, her sister freaking out trying to guess where he was. Your choice, bro. I'm going to tell mom, when she's back. You're in so deep trouble. Sure I am. Simon whispered. You don't even eat up your dinner. You know mom doesn't want you to leave anything in the plate. Yes, and you're the one who's going to tell her, aren't you? Simon cried out from his hiding place. You're in mom and dad's room? She said. Simon could hear panic in her voice. They both knew, they're not allowed to step a foot in there. Not even if that was the last way out in case of fire or earthquake. Find me. He said back while his eyes, now accustomed to the darkness, picked up something laying on the ground. I'll tell, indeed. I tell you pushed me and called me with names. As you wish, Simon thought, his mind lost in what he had found on the floor. It was a box, one of those with old photos inside. The kind of thing you can always find in your parents' closet. Inside the box, indeed, plenty of pictures in black and white of the lake and the valley, taken long before their house was built. Simon pulled out one or two. Something was wrong, but he couldn't figure out what it was. He shrugged and kept on looking. Simon, come on. Please. Mom can be back any time now. If she finds you in their bedroom, we're both in trouble. The outline of the lake, in the pictured, was as it looked nowadays but for the closest shore. Something was wrong in the point where the little pier used to be. Simon couldn't make up his mind, but he had this strange feeling that. That's enough. Now I come for you. Kelly cried hysterically. Simon ignored her. He knew that Kelly was too scared to come inside the room. As long as he stayed there, he was safe. Mum wouldn't be around for at least another hour, by the way. Simon. I come out, you stop screaming, okay? He said then. You stupid. Replied Kelly. I'm not coming out, then. Out, now. One thing, I have absolute power. That's lame, kid. Simon laughed. He pictured her in his mind. Right in front of the door, scared to go inside, with her arms stretched along her sides. Pale and paralyzed with fright. Say it. Kelly took her time. Then she sighed, almost freaking out. You won, but come out. Say it. Simon said, his eyes still puzzled on the pictures. You have the power. What power? Okay, you have absolute power. And? Simon opened the closet and peeked his sister from where he was. 
and then I'll do whatever you ask me to do, and you can do whatever you want. For now on, forever and ever? Ever and ever. Promise. Come out, baby. Can I have your collection of comics, so? Kelly closed her hands until they became white. You. From downstairs they heard the door opening, and then closing again. Whatever you want, baby, but come out. Please. I'm begging you. Simon picked up a couple of photos from the box, then emerged from his place and pushed the closet's door behind him. You sure, you didn't touch a thing? Kelly said as they went out into the hallway. Nothing. He lied. You. Baby, are you sure? Simon laughed and ran into his room. Kelly ran after him, but she couldn't reach him. Their parents came up just in time to see Kelly bumping against the door of his brother's bedroom, slipping down to hit the ground. All right, darling? Asked his mother, why died? Sure, mom. She said, awkwardly. You shouldn't go after your brother that way. Her father said, helping her to stand up. You should know better. You're not a little girl, anymore. Next month you'll be fifteen. Kelly swallowed. She knew what it meant. If she didn't stop to pay heed to stupid Simon, Dad would never allow her to have her party. Little brat. Kelly hissed away, certain that Simon was listening all ears beyond his door. Then she went downstairs, trying to put again her mind on the TV show she was watching before Simon made a mess of her life and spoiled her whole existence. Chapter 4 Later that evening, when Kelly went into Simon's room, she found his brother with the lights still on, sprawled across his bed, his eyes on some old black and white photos. Their parents had gone to bed. They had hardly spoken since they were back. Well, if Simon was forced to express his opinion, and he wasn't, hush was better than screams, and screams were better than indifference. The house was wrapped in an unusual silence, by the way, and that was scary. Are you still awake? asked Kelly. Are you? Simon said. If you keep on. Well, going around, looking for trouble, I'll be in trouble, baby. Mom and Dad will not ever let me out for my birthday. And you know what that means, right? Who cares? Kelly sat on the bed next to Simon. I bet you does, baby, said Kelly ruffling gently his hair. Simon grimaced in disgust. What are you staring at? Some old photos. I'm sorry I call you brat, kid. It's just. You know. Don't know a thing, Cal. And that jerk. I really mean it. You deserve better. Kelly hugged his brother, who didn't hug her back. Are you trying to strangle me? You do care about me, don't you? Yuck. Simon said, his eyes still on the pictures. Kelly smiled then looked the photos his brother was holding in his hands. What are these pictures about? The lake, or something. Kelly turned pale. Where did you get them? From Mom's closet. Are you crazy? What if she figures out, we're in trouble? Simon shrugged. Why should she? I don't think she even know they exist. You're not my brother, you're too stupid. Simon turned to her, his best smile on his face. No. Kelly said. Simon smiled her back. You're so unfair, bro. Kelly said. Simon's smiles got wider. The little brat looked so cute and harmless, and... No. 
Kelly said again. I know those tiny wrecked ears running madly inside your head. It won't help you. No way. Not even in a million years. Come on, sis, he said. Kelly closed her eyes, took a breath, then left the room, leaving Simon alone on the bed. Whatever. Simon said, looking back at his pictures. The next morning, he left home very early. It wasn't eight o'clock when he stepped into old Jonathan's shed. The sails were scattered unrolled all around the floor and Buffy was running happily from side to side. John. Simon shouted, throwing his bike on one side. When he got no reply, he picked up his tools from the shelf where he had left them, and went to the backyard, where the boats still waited to be painted. The day was going to hot. Boiling hot if he had to work all day at the boathouse, but that will come later. Now, Simon couldn't be happier, his bare limbs swept by the tickling air of the morning, his hair lost in the cooling breeze of the dawn. He might not be the early morning kind of person, but it was okay to be around at this time of the day in summer. More time to do nothing, his old pal used to say. Though, those weren't the only reasons why he was already around today. Looking at those old photos in Mum's bedroom, in fact, Simon had realized that over the years the landscape in that part of the lake had deeply changed. That might not be unusual everywhere else, but here in the lake, nothing changed without a good reason. People from here liked the thing to be the same no matter how boring they were. And building a boathouse wasn't a good reason enough to alter the shape of the shore over there. In fact, he was right in the middle of the spot that looked so odd in those old photos, compared to the current landscape. It didn't take a brain surgeon in fact to notice that the little knoll he found himself on at the moment, and the past wasn't there. Why on earth someone would take the trouble to fill that gap with a mold of sand, only to build a rotten shed? Am I sitting upon something it's worth to cover with some tons of dirt, and a good week of work? He said doubtful. Yet, an idea forced its way inside his head. Round 9, old Jonathan leaned out from behind the shed, looking for Simon. Hey, boy. He said. Got something for you. Simon smiled. A pint of orange juice and a foot-long loaf of freshly home-baked bread could help. Jonathan shook his head. Something better, kid. Simon sprang to his feet, looking up carefully. Buffy, beside him, pricked up its ears and waited. From behind a corner of the shed, he saw the girl from Flanders' house coming out. The same kid Simon had seen peeking from the window the day before. Is that a joke? Simon asked. No, this is Emmy. She will be your new assistant. Jonathan said. Have to go downtown, now, for some stuff I need. I entrust her to you, Simon. You're the one in charge. Be friendly, be nice, and find her something fun to do. But. See you later. He cut short, vanishing before Simon could even find the words to complain. Emmy got closer. Buffy took a step aside, unaware if it was wiser to get angry, as in Simon's wishes, or if it'd be better to run to the new girl and get scratched behind its ears. As Buffy wished better. Hello. Emmy said. Humph? Simon grunted. Your name's Simon, isn't it? Simon turned away with no answer. He picked up a brush and started again on the boat he was working on. You have already passed the brush there. Emmy said leaning forward. I did not. You did? How can you tell that? Emmy shrugged his shoulders. It's your dog? What's its name? Does it bite? Do you mind if I pet it a little? 
Buffy looked at her with its hopeful eyes open. The dog ain't mine, said Simon. I can pet it, then. Simon turned to her. Why girl can be so annoying? Chatting and mobbing all the time. Why couldn't she just sit apart, still and quiet? Why she simply can't find her spot in the furthest place in the world, possibly leaving him alone for good? Leave me alone, he thought. As you wish. He groaned instead. Emmy leaned over Buffy and began to scratch the dog's ears. Buffy yelped with joy. It's a nice dog. Simon looked down at the two of them. You, dog, he hissed softly. Emmy seemed to pay no attention. Look, it has a medal, she said. Let me see. It says, M-M-M-H-M, Buffy. Well, that's a, well, quite a curious name. It's not. Emmy took her time. Do you mind if I call you sissy, sweetie? His name's Buffy, Simon roughly said. For me she's sissy, anyway. Come, sissy. Let's fix that boat over there. Emmy got up and walked towards the boat which was standing beside Simon. Buffy barked and ran after her. Hey. Simon protested. Hey. Old John said you had to do what I tell you. You? Emmy laughed. What do you know about boats? Simon blushed. Much more than you do, anyway. Okay, you're the boss. What do you think I should do on this? Simon threw down his brush and went to the boat Emmy sat by. Let me see, he said, trying to look professional. In my opinion, it should be stripped then the tar should be applied. To make it waterproof, I mean. Then you should paint it again with the paint from one of those cans over there. That's it? Emmy asked amused. Yes, of course. What about these holes, then? Emmy pointed out the spots where the planking was very spoiled. Yes, that too. Simon said, annoyed. And the keel? The what? The keel. You should check it up as well. Of course, Simon said, wondering what on earth the keel was. We must wait for John Les, to mount the boat on these sands before we start working. Otherwise, we can't see in what conditions the entire hull is. Simon kicked a stone and returned to his boat. Do as you wish. He finally said, looking apart. You choose that boat. You work the boat. It's none of my business. Emmy laughed happily. But you're supposed to be the one in charge. I am. Mumbled Simon. Emmy squatted down, beside the dog. Simon kept his stare to the lake. His golden brown hair waving in the breeze. Stupid girl. Simon mumbled. He turned his look just a couple of times, then. Her eyes were still fixed on him. He felt self-conscious. What the? He thought of Mum. He knew the exact words she would have chosen for Emmy. Oh, dear. What a cutie sweetie girl. Which she was not. Final. How can you say that? Mum would ask. With those fancy little dimples in her cheeks, and that stupid angelic smile glued on her face? Pathetic. Was she some of those stupid baby star from a TV ad? You're funny, Simon Daner. Why? He asked bewildered. She did not reply. How do you possibly know my name? She didn't answer. Wait. She said instead, standing up and taking a brush in her hand. I'll show you how. Let's not. Simon tried to say. 
But before he could speak a word Emmy had already begun to paint his side of the boat. When the entire side was completed, the two kids sat apart to check out their work. The sun was already high in the sky. Lunchtime was probably past. They had not said a word yet, and even Buffy was crouched in the shade, watching idly. I think it turned out pretty well. Simon said reluctantly. Yep, me too. How come you know about boats? Emmy produced a delightful laugh. Her smile shone brighter than the sun over the lake. Even Simon had to admit that she was not completely nasty after all. But that didn't mean he was going to be nice to her. No way. Period. And he wasn't going to tell Mum, let alone, Kelly. Dash that he has spent the entire morning with a stupid girl. My father worked at sea for years. She said. Mum and I followed him on all the ships he worked on. Was he the commander? Simon asked carefully. No, the second officer. He taught me a lot of cool stuff. Did he? Yep. You've traveled a lot, right? For a while, yep. His last assignment was in the Indian Ocean, off the coast of Africa. But we've been in the Pacific. And in the Atlantic, as well. You've been in the Caribbean, have you? Asked Simon, suddenly alert. Yep, on a cruise liner. We, well, we spent quite a lot of time on that ship. And have you seen any pirates? Simon said, his excitement rising abruptly. Pirates were one of his secret passions. So were their ships, and that Jolly Roger thing, the pirate's flag. And secret maps and treasure. He loved hunting treasures, he really did. And pirates were the best at hiding and painting maps. He knew all about maps and riddles and stuff. He knew it all at least since that ride, the one he did with Kelly. It was great. The whole trip, he meant. It was when. With his family when. Well, in short, yes. The last trip they did together. Emmy laughed again. At his naivety this time. Simon drew back, suddenly dumb. He regretted having spoken so openly, as vulnerable as he now appeared. Moreover with a girl. He shook his head, then looked apart in silence. Come, go back to work. He finally said. They still had to bring the tools back in the shed and to lock the water scooter's cabin. Emmy nodded and followed him under the burning sun, while Buffy trotted on by, beaming with happiness. Chapter 5 Simon put the pot with the brushes on the shelf. Emmy was on the other side of the room, tidying up a series of clamps and keys, old Jonathan had left on a ledge. Simon wiped the sweat dripping from his forehead. It was hot and he was hungry. Luckily, he knew where John kept his favorite cookies in the pitcher with his world-famous handmade lemonade. He was about to get something to eat too, when something at the back of the shelf, just behind the jar full of sweets he was handling, caught his attention. Even if the place they were in was built on the sandy shore of the lake, the boathouse partly rested against the hill, sinking into the ground for about two feet. Plus, the boathouse and the pier were the only human-made constructions in sight there, everything else was their way before people established in that area. Yet, there was nothing behind the wall, although that was simply impossible, as long as Simon knew, he was currently facing tons of pure solid rock. So, how come that a draft of air is blowing from under the shelf? He knew that he had been there before, and normally he wouldn't notice it. But the photographs he'd found in Mum's closet the day before had tickled his imagination, 
and therefore his senses. As stupid as the idea looked like, he wondered if there might be something of interest behind that wall. He bent, trying to figure out what was all that about. He should have reached the wall beyond the shelf, but he was aware that he couldn't move furniture around without Emmy noticing him. Stupid girl. How annoying it could be to have such a nuisance always around, always standing in his way. He stood up and set out to return later, when Emmy was home. Commitment was not a girl thing, he knew. Stupid Emmy will get tired soon and he would have all old John's attentions back in a matter of days. However, he couldn't wait a few days, could he? Overnight maybe, when old John would be back home, and the shed would be unattended, could be a good time to come back. Dad would probably skin him alive if he knew his boy was planning to go out on his own after sunset. But, did he care? It wasn't easy to get Dad's attention these days anyway. Simon touched the wall again, almost feeling what was behind with his hand. He said nothing, yet. He and Emmy had had enough, anyhow, and their working day was over. I'm tired. He announced. Do you want to go home? Asked Emmy, squinting. Of course. John only pays me for mornings. Two hours, from eight to ten, plus overtime. Today we finished at one o'clock. Emmy said. Three hours of overtime. Well, Emmy said. It's hard work, you see. I know. So, if tomorrow you're not coming, I'm okay with that. Emmy shook his head, amused. It's not so easy to get rid of me, kid. Kid? Simon looked sulky. Who did she think she was? She was probably just a couple of weeks older than him, and not even taller. You okay, kids? said John from outside. Everything's fine. Emmy replied for both. Simon gave her his back. You should be tired, said Jonathan. Here, these are for you. Jonathan pulled out a handful of sweets, then put them on the table. You did a great job, he added. Thanks, Emmy said, Simon remaining still aloof. Are you okay, Simon? asked Jonathan. Simon shook his head and gave a look at the candies, poured on the table. Yes, of course, he said reluctantly. As he turned to approach the table, his gaze went back on the wall behind the shelf. A strange idea began to buzz his mind. He shook his head, yet, and went for the sweets before Emmy could finish everything off. When Simon made sure that evening had fallen and it was dark enough, he got out of the bed, reached the window, and looked out. He told his parents that he was very tired because of the work at the lake. That could be enough of a reason to go to bed very early, although a normal Simon would have held out to the last before giving up to sleep in his first week of summer holidays. No big surprise that Kelly had looked at him with distrust when he went out of the room where his family was quietly finishing their supper. But he still didn't care. He had just left the table and had gone upstairs. Now, he sat on the bed, he was considering his actual options. Tomorrow stupid no tall Emmy will be again around to spoil his first real adventure in a decade or so. He took a minute to make up his mind. Before reason and common sense could stop his actions, Simon opened the window and leaned forward. It was not too high. If he was good enough, and he guessed he was, he could climb down the roof and get to its edge in a jiff. From there, through that ledge, down that tree, to the ground. Easy stuff. Nobody was going to find out. He dressed hurriedly, with some black tee and dark shorts. Then he spread black paint on his bare arms and legs, 
just like soldiers did in war movies. He overcame the windowsill and tilted forward. It was okay, he could do it, but he had to walk on all fours to keep from falling. Luckily enough the roof there was almost in plain, like a terrace. Dad wanted it that way, although Mum knew better. And good reason too. However, now he was happy that Dad got the last word at least on that. He moved easily, in fact, as if he was merely crawling in his old kindergarten's mat. Then he reached the branch that leaned against the roof and climbed up there. He guessed he was doing fine, just when he lost his balance for the first time. He swung his arms back, preventing his young, slender body from smashing into the ground. Simon grabbed the hovering branch and shrugged. It was okay to risk his life while going on an adventure. He adjusted his hold then and moved forward, aiming at the trunk. From there to the ground would be a piece of cake. When Kenny was still in town, they had climbed up to the topmost branch of that tree. It was dicey but it was fine. From there they could see across the valley, and far beyond, up to the lake. It was dark, but it was safer. Once on the ground Simon explored the surrenders. The road to the lake was shorter if he passed through the woods. It was okay by day, but not so smart by night. Especially if the moon hadn't risen yet. The other way was the track that further on led to the town. He opted for that. Simon did not take his bike, however. Too risky, he ran instead all the way down, following the path in the moonlight, and passing by the grove, right in front of Flanders' house. Emmy was not around. Fine. She was probably sleeping in her pinky swanky sparkling sickening nightshirt, with all those dollies and knickknacks and trinkets and stuff. Simon smirked. Better die alone. Besides Foramis couldn't stand one Simon. For an insane while, Simon wished he could see the girl's face. Are you too scared of the dark to come along? He would bark straight in her dolly face. He smiled again, bravely, and was about to run up to the boathouse. Yet, he stopped and looked again back at the old house. The place was eerie even from there. How brave could a child be to dare to step inside there, let alone to sleep there a whole night? But, then, Emmy didn't belong to the lake. How could she be scared of things she didn't know about? Too easy, even for a girl. Me, I am the brave, he thought. Not really sure about that. It was cold now. Simon wished he had brought along a hoodie or something. A cold breeze from the lake caressed his tiny self. Sweat was wetting his tea. It had been a long and messy run from Emmy's place to the lake. He wiped his brow with his tea, then reached the shed. He moved slowly, walking in measured steps up to the place where the wooden walls reached the rocks. Once there, he bent and looked around, exploring the whole perimeter with his hands. He moved back, then, as to have a whole picture of the building. There was no way a draft of air could pass from outside to the wall where the shelf had been placed. As he already knew, in fact, that was the only place where the boathouse was embraced by a wall of solid rock. Apart from that, he didn't find anything unusual out there, as he did expect. Unlike Emmy, he used to know that shed pretty well, indeed. He looked for Buffy, and when he found it asleep, he calmed down. If the dog found out about him, there at night. Simon could picture the show in his mind, the dog startling, he startling, the dog barking, he barking back, the dog running mad, jumping and pushing him to the ground. It would be enough to wake up half of those who lived nearby. Which weren't too much by the way, only a bunch of cabins lost among the trees. The other half, however, would wake at the same time Buffy would start tickling Simon on his belly. 
ticklish as he was, his lows would have reached the other end of the lake, where the town center was. Thank goodness, said Simon, almost disappointed that the dog was actually asleep and unable to prevent him doing something stupid. Then, he crouched down beside the dog and scratched its ears. The dog yelped and turned on its other side, still in deep sleep. Good dog. Simon though. No reasons for you to be worried about. A chill air came from the lake. In spite of the summertime the night could be still cold. There were no clouds in the sky now, and the faint light that came from above, was the silver twinkling of the stars, that in that part of the lake shone as a swarm of fireflies. The mist rising from the water, painted the vaults above him, blowing the light and making it tremble even more. Simon looked above him, puzzled and amazed, and feeling incredibly small. Was that too big of a task for a boy his size? He didn't know. However, Dad and Mum being silent one another while consuming their dinner, that was a reason enough to go ahead, he guessed. So, he returned to the door of the shed, and sought for the hole John used to leave the key in. It was one of the gaps in the wood, hidden from view by a garbage bin. Simon bowed behind it and reached the crack, which was barely within the reach of his arm. If he were just an inch shorter probably he would not be able to take the key. He smiled, full of satisfaction. Emmy probably would never make it to that hideout. He opened the door and walked into the shed. In the dark such a familiar place looked sinister and scary. There were shadows everywhere. The place seemed haunted. No doubt about it. Things that normally didn't impress him in the daylight, now looked like ghosts, ready to catch him. In fact, the whole place gave him shivers. He could feel something indeed going down to his spine at every step he took. Shadows were all around. Threatening. The cracking sounds of his step on the old wood planks call for his attention, as to warn him not to even try to enter in there. The starlight filtered through the dust and the mud that caked the glass of the only window of the shed. Everything there looked unreal. There's nothing to be afraid of. He said, You've been here like thousand times, Simon Daner. He swallowed. You know nothing bad could happen. He took his deepest breath. Next, what do you want me to do next? He exhaled. Okay, good boy. It's just old Jonathan's shed. He stepped forward, then, gathering all the courage he had left, and found his way to the shelf. Far. Further. Come on, baby boy. Just to the other end of the room. That in the darkness, the night seemed to move forward at every step. The shelf was close and yet it was thousands of miles away. Simon shook his head. It's just old Jonathan's shed. He said again. He shivered. His footsteps crunched against the wooden floor, giving him the creeps at every step. He stupidly looked around. Dark figures surrounded him. No doubt that sooner or later something would come out, grabbing him from one leg, and dragging him into the nothingness. The air went colder, taking his breath away. If a hand snatches my ankle, he said, for the sake of hearing his own voice in such a silence, I swear, I will die on the same day. That wasn't of any help. He paused and breathed in, trying to settle down. The shed was not longer than six or seven yards, but for Simon everything had come astray. He moved very slowly, his blood like chilling in his veins at every step. He looked back. The exit now seemed too far as well. Come on, kiddo. No way back. Can't be worse than the time you broke the windshield of Johnny Turner's car. He pulled out a flashlight from the back pocket of his shorts, and slapped it against the palm of his hand. 
I do hope the batteries will work this time, he said, switching it on. A dim yellow light showed up a small slice of the room. It was not enough to drive his way through those creepy shadows, but at least he wouldn't walk in danger, stumbling on something the old John, or more likely himself, had left on the floor. For sure, this toy won't chase away any ghosts. Simon reached the shelf. The word ghost was scary enough to take away the last shred of courage he had left. He would turn around, but the same idea of moving back across the room kept him pinned to the point he was. Come on, Simon. Just. Give a look behind the shelf, find nothing there, go back home and fool yourself in the peacefulness of your bed. You're an idiot, okay, but no one will have to know about that. He started whistling, tuning a pirate-like song he had in mind, but gave up suddenly. It was creepier that way and it didn't help. Then, aware he was about to die and somehow okay with that idea, he turned to the wall and slowly began to move the shelf. The screech he produced was in line with the rest of the show, but he didn't step back. I can't tie twice, can I? He said, with more confidence, that he actually felt. Then, what he saw upset him a lot. There was a crack, in fact, running through the whole thickness of the wall. It got very wide at the center, leaving like a small blank window a few inches wide. The airstream he had felt that morning came undoubtedly from there. However, that wasn't possible. He pointed the beam of his flashlight toward the hole and realized that he had been wrong the whole time. It was not solid rock, the one that made the mold against which the boathouse lay. In fact, there might be a cavity behind it. In other words, a cave should run under the place the shed was built upon. Very carefully, he put two fingers in the slot and pulled the plank toward him. To his surprise he realized that it came off easily. Besides, beyond the wooden wall there actually was a small trench dug in the rocks. Though, it looked like someone had closed it with stones and sand, so as to hide the entrance. Probably whoever had built the foundations of the shed had already found the tunnel in the ground. But for some good reasons, like avoiding finding another spot where to dig the foundations again, those men had simply covered the hole and had built on its top, closing that entrance for good. The knoll I saw in Mom's pics was here, then. Simon said. And that mound of rocks and sand was there to close the entrance to this cave. Simon knew about the legend his granddad used to tell him as a little boy. Everyone knew about the hidden treasure, although no one really cared about it anymore nowadays. Legends, of course, but if this is the cave everyone has been after in the past, and if this cave has been discovered when the boathouse has been built, then, he sighed, whatever was in there has already been taken away. Or maybe not, Simon considered with an afterthought. The tunnel was very narrow indeed and only a child could crawl inside and reach the bottom, and not at ease. The rock in fact looked untouched, and there were no signs of digging around it to enlarge the entry so that even a grown-up could go inside that. Maybe they just thought it was a natural burrow, dug by the erosion of the lake. Simon thought. Thus, they just closed it by building up the wall. Yet it looked strange. Simon knelt, sure that it wasn't worth going back without first exploring his discovery. How come a treasure had been placed inside that only a lean child could enter the place? There was only one way to find out, being that lean child and finding his way inside the crack. A good talk, Simon Daner, he said to himself, let me see how you do the walk. And he actually tried to push his body in their butt. Just as he started to think himself down there, alone in the dark, goosebumps grew on his bare arms. He already surprised himself, being here all alone 
stupid Kelly not around to cover his back, and his friend Kenny, the daring kid from nowhere, already gone and forgot. How come he didn't run away in panic yet? Was he entitled to run away in any case? What if stupid Emmy found out about the crack and decided that she was the bravest of the two, going down on her own, before he could even claim the possession of whatever was there to be discovered? However, slipping into that hole, cold and dark, would be too much for that night. He took a breath and replaced the wooden plank he ripped out, trying not to make too much noise to avoid waking up Buffy. Then he moved back the shelf, fixing it the way it was before. Before his eyes could set on just one of the horrible things that surely surrounded him in that darkness, he jumped up and ran blindly to the doorway. Chapter 6 Simon leaned against the nearest tree to catch his breath. He had left the shed's door open and he didn't even bother to put back the key. Too much running for one day only, but he wasn't over yet. He had to go back and fix everything. Otherwise, Jonathan would know someone had snuck in there, and he'd be on him as soon as the sun came out. Only the two of them, in fact, knew where the keys of the boathouse were. Plus, slipping in and stealing something was the kind of thing those wild brats that polluted the lake summer nights dive on. No doubt an open door was too much of an invitation for them. And then Simon's troubles would simply become deeper than they already were. Old John won't most certainly trust me again on that, he thought. And on everything else, for that matter. Simon tried to think fast. He had no will to go back, although knew he had to. Something resembling a solution crossed his mind, but he didn't like it at all. He turned to look behind the tree he was leaning against. A few steps away lay the Flanders house. The lights upstairs were still on, and if he looked carefully, he could see a shape behind the curtains. Emmy. He whispered. No effect. He rapidly crossed the small grove, and stopped just below the house. Emmy's parents were probably in the living room, which had no windows on that side of the house. Simon knelt down and picked up some pebbles, then began to throw them one after another against Emmy's window. Kids in the movies did stuff like that all the time, but he never considered it really an option before now. Besides, he never had a reason to. He tried again, hoping that she would not start those sissy stuff like screaming and throwing things back at him. Emmy. He tried to call out, softening at the same time his now squeaking voice. A pebble finally centered the glass. In Simon's mind it sounded terribly loud. However, it didn't seem to produce any effect at all. For a moment he wondered if he was targeting the wrong room. What if the shadow behind the window he saw before wasn't Emmy, but her mom? Hope not. He said. My life is miserable already. Emmy. Hey. He took a larger pebble and lifted his arm as to throw it, but the stone fell back onto his head instead. Ouch. He cried. Simon fell down, sitting legs apart, his hand close on his head. It hurts. At that very moment the window opened. Emmy stared puzzled at him. She was in her nightgown, her hair already ruffled. Simon? Is it that you? Who else? Whispered Simon, his hand still on his head. Now, this is humiliating, he thought. What are you doing down there? Is that what you boys do here? Waking up girls in the middle of the night? Don't be silly. I need you. I bet you do. It looks like a boulder has just dropped on your head. It's not too far from the truth, said Simon in pain. Why are you there? Stop asking stupid questions and get dressed. There's something we have to do. 
But... Now, Emmy. Otherwise we're in deep trouble. Simon said. Meaning you're in deep trouble. Whatever. Besides, there's something else you need to know. He bit his tongue. What? She said. He shook his head. He couldn't tell her of the tunnel. That was his quest. On the other hand, what could he tell her, instead? Fact was that he was calling her in the middle of the night, like begging for help, just because he was too scared to go back to the shed on his own. She would make fun of him for the time to be. Worse, she could make his life more miserable than it already was. Think, Simon Daner. He thought. School will start again, and she might not be on your side when the summer will be over. Come. He simply said then. What? Are you trying to make out with me, boy? Simon flushed. What the? Stop saying nonsense. He shouted. Put some clothes on and hurry up. Okay. Said Emmy too keenly. But let's make it quick or mom will notice. I'm supposed to be asleep by now. Okay, okay. As if moms did really care about you girls' whereabouts, Simon alleged. For all he knew, when Kelly made a mess, he was always the one to be blamed. Girls don't get in trouble for real, little brothers do. Truth was, yet, that when he was in some mischief, Kelly was the one mom and dad scolded. It's your little brother. They used to say. You have to take care. A chill blow of wind recalled him to the present. He looked at the first floor of the big gone house again. Emmy's shadow faded away from the window, to reappear a moment later. She was wearing a sleeveless shirt and a very short skirt. She is cute. Simon said as softly as he could, regretting his words as soon as they were said. Emmy came out of the window, then reached the closest tree and climbed down as Simon did from his room. Actually, she didn't need to crawl on her fours, and by the way she moved his sis Kelly, not him, would say that she had the ease of a squirrel and the grace of a swan. Where are we going? Emmy asked as she got to the ground. In the shed. Simon said abruptly, as he was in anger. There's something you have to see. Then he looked at her from head to foot. You girls, you're all the same. Always overdressing for the wrong occasions. Emmy laughed softly and pushed him aside with one hand. Simon blushed suddenly, and moved away from her contact as soon as he could. You're really funny, Simon Daner. Move, said Simon, making his way into the woods without even turning around to check if she was actually following. Chapter 7 See, Simon said, pointing to the shed's door left open. In the place where they built the boathouse, there was once a hill. They probably dug the knoll down, then covered the tunnel. I mean, they just built the boathouse on it. What are you talking about, Simon? Asked Emmy. Went into the shed, found the burrow. Who? When? Early on. I went inside, I moved the shelf. The tunnel was down there. You? Emmy said. You sure it was not a dream? Yes. I'm sure. Simon said, offended. Why do you think the door is open? Because you ran away before you had the time to close it. Simon snorted. He was getting really annoyed. Stop it. If I let you come along, it's just because I need a hand. He said. I think you're just afraid. Let me alone. You're the one who called me. Simon did not reply, but moved forward toward the door of the shed. 
Buffy was still sleeping. Simon saw its muzzle peeping out from the couch he dug in the sand. Where are you going? asked Emmy. Come. Simon crouched down, just a few steps away from the door, then turned on his flashlight. He pointed the beam inside the hut and felt himself ready to enter. Not so freighted as before. Stupid Emmy wouldn't make fun of him this time. Simon, do you want me to come along? He heard her said. Yes, Simon said, thinking that Emmy would finally pull back. Who makes fun of who, now, girl? Okay, she said instead. For some reason, however, her answer did not bother him too much. Be careful where you step, Emmy. There are shards all over the floor. Are you caring about me? Simon snorted. It's probably something you let crash on the ground early this morning. They walked in the darkness, guided only by the dim light of the flashlight. Simon noted that the shadows around them were not less threatening at all, although he was not alone, now, and he knew what was hiding in there now. Since when you care so much about glasses on the floor, then? Emmy teased him. Ever since I dropped a bowl and I cut my feet to the bone. Do you do it often? Do what? Walking barefoot in the dark in places where you're not supposed to be. No. First time for me. And you? Emmy smiled. I'm not barefoot now. Simon turned just in time to catch her expression. Her face, shrouded in the dim light filtering through the windows, had something interesting. Cute, was the word mom and stupid Kelly would have used? No way, it was something else. Simon thought that after all he could trust her. Although the better safe than sorry side of him, Dad's side, warned him against the lake boy confiding secrets to a far more than stranger girl. Here, he told her in any case. It's here. Simon pointed to the shelf and the crack behind it. Honestly, he didn't think he was going to come back anytime soon. Probably if Emmy wasn't there, he would say everything to old John. And John would scold him and make fun of his childish thoughts. It wouldn't take a brain surgeon to understand that nothing was hiding behind the shelf. Simon pushed against the shelf, though, and removed the wooden plank which closed the entrance to the tunnel. Look, it runs down there and goes underground for a considerable distance. So what? Lake shores are full of natural caves that can go down for miles. That's not enough of a reason for waking up girls in the middle of the night. Stupid of me entrusting you my secret. Yep, stupid of you. Look, girl. There is something below this tunnel. You know nothing about the lake. Why on earth should there be something in there? Why not? Look, it had excavated written on it. There are still the signs of the pics. Emmy crossed his arms in doubt. In my opinion, these are the signs of the rain. The signs of the rain. Simon mimicked. Is there something that you don't know? Are you kidding or what? All this is nonsense, Simon. You knocked at my window to show me a crack in the sand? Wow. Right. I was told that you guys from the lake were boring, but you Simon Daner are the most boring creature on planet Earth. Simon scuffed. She might know anything about hulls and sails and helms but she know nothing about the lake. It was his life she was insulting, and Grandad's life, and the one of those that lived before him. You know nothing about the treasure, you town girl. No, and I don't care. Look. Simon pointed down. This might be a natural cave, but someone opened this passageway. And he. Or she. Whatever. He made it wide enough for someone to enter. Okay. But, 
If something really was down there, the ones that built the shed would take it. I mean, definitely. Why? Because, if you find a cave, if you're building something on it, you probably want to see what's in there before building something that can eventually collapse. Emmy said. But Simon didn't take it for granted. This is not the case, Emmy. Look, only a kid can crawl inside a tunnel like that. They had to dig and make it wider, which they did not. Too much trouble, I guess. Besides, this is just a wooden boathouse, not the Empire State Building. But if they were after something, what if they were not? Simon leaned inside the tunnel and tried to look as far as his sight could. I don't know, said Emmy. Let's give a go. I mean, trying costs nothing, said Simon, waving a hand at her and pushing his slender body inside the crack. Wow. It's really narrow down there. He tried a few steps to see if he could easily pass through. I can go there myself. I'm smaller than you and fitter as well. Simon grunted but he didn't reply. He thought at himself waiting outside, alone in the dark because the light was needed in the cave more than out there. He knew about caves, Grandad had taught well, no way entering a tunnel without a light, or you'll be history in a cave. Yet, he never considered going underground up to now. He shivered and shook his head. No way. He tried to say, his voice too stressed. Simon Daner, I was dragged here in the middle of the night, just to see how coward you are? Once again Simon felt her rummaging in an open wound he never dared to dress. What the? Okay, if you want to come along, you're welcome. He finally said. If something happens, though, and no one can run back and get some help, I'll get back at you. How? Trap kids don't come back. Simon ducked into the tunnel. He was blind by rage. Or are you a baby cry? Crying all the way to your mom to listen? I knew it, and it's all my fault. He said. Girls are not supposed to go on adventures. That's the only thing you said tonight that makes sense. Look at me. I should be sleeping in my new cotton futon by now, in that silk gown you long to see me dress with. Simon stopped for a moment. It was suddenly not interested in whatever stupid Emmy was blubbering up there. The air was cool and moist, as if water actually ran down there. Nevertheless he was still sure this part of the tunnel was man-made. There were no other explanations. Move. He shouted finally, hearing his voice echoing against the stone. Stay behind me and do nothing. If something wrong happens, turn around and run as fast as you can. Okay. Emmy said. You're the boss. You score the point, girl. Chapter 8 They crawled in for almost hundred feet before the tunnel began to broaden. There was even room to stand, even for a grown-up. Actually the more they went in, the more Simon realized how he was wrong. The signs on the entrance could be due to a pick, indeed, and probably someone actually tried to make the entry a little wider. But now the signs were gone. Though, he couldn't stand the idea that Emmy was right. I didn't expect it to be so long, said Simon. They used the pick just to enlarge the opening. The rest of the passage is part of a natural cave. Simon turned up his nose. Thanks for the lecture, Professor, he thought. What do you think this cave is? asked Emmy. My grandfather told me once, a pirate used to live here. And you believe it? Simon shrugged. Why not? I think they had something in here probably part of their treasure. 
Maybe they forced one of the kids from the village to slip inside the tunnel. Maybe they tied a rope around his waist so that he could not escape. And then they gave him something to hide in the cave, say the treasure, so that nobody could find it. Emmy stopped. In my humble opinion, she said, the ones who built the shed must have found the entrance while digging. They gave a couple of a stroke with a pickaxe just to enlarge the opening, and when they saw there was nothing in there, they kept on doing whatever they had to do. Nonsense said Simon. But a part of his mind knows that Emmy was right. In fact, this explanation definitely made more sense than his. I mean, Simon. What do you think you can find here? Simon did not reply. He noticed that the light had begun to become weaker. Hope it will get out of there, he thought. Otherwise it would be a problem. They were several feet below ground now, and if the light went out, it would be completely dark. He was about to tell Emmy, when he saw that the tunnel began to go abruptly downhill. At the end, a wall of rock seemed to block the way. It seemed that they had come to a dead end. Is there something wrong? asked Emmy. Nothing. Simon lied, hoping that the one in front of them was only a turn. When they reached the end of the tunnel, instead, Simon realized that they did have a problem. There were two openings in the rock, each one of them going in a different direction. We are at a crossroads he said finally. He crouched down, turning to Emmy. She squinted into the darkness. What do we do now? She asked. Either we go back, or we split. Otherwise we can try just one of the tunnels. We'll get lost in any case. We should leave some kind of sign. Emmy said. Besides, entering a cave alone, that's always a very bad idea. You're right. Simon agreed. That was also something Grandad said. We can try one. If we find nothing in a while, we'd better go back. The batteries are running low, though. We cannot take the risk, I guess. Emmy nodded. Perhaps it is better to return some other day. Maybe we'd better not. Simon said. He felt disappointed. For just a moment, he really believed that he could really take part in some adventure, like the ones his heroes in the comics used to have. What do you think our parents would say? if they knew that we were here? That we are irresponsible. Yeah. Simon lowered his head sadly. He was about to move back when his eyes fell upon something that caught his attention. What is this? He asked. The light of the torch began to falter. What? Emmy said. These signs here. Emmy leaned toward him, looking down. You see? Asked Simon. It seems as. The flashlight went off suddenly. Damn. Simon cried. Incredibly it was not the idea of doing the way back in the dark that disappointed him. Have you seen it? Tell me what you saw, Emmy, please. Emmy rose and straightened her head into the darkness, where she knew Simon's eyes were. Yes, she said puzzled. It seemed almost. What? An arrow. Yes, it's nonsense, but it looked just like an arrow. Engraved in the stone, I mean. And it pointed to the tunnel on the left. An arrow, Emmy, do you get it? An arrow. Do I know what, Simon? It wasn't all made up. Someone really went down here and left some kind of indication of the way to follow. Not to get lost, I mean. And it was a kid. Or a dwarf. And kids don't get alone into caves without a good reason. We did. Simon shook his head. We did not. 
People from the lake know a treasure is hidden here somewhere. Maybe we're on the right track. I'm scared, Simon. Emmy said. Simon shivered. He would never admit such a thing. But for the first time in his life he felt responsible for someone. I'm here and I'll take you out. Are you serious? Until that very moment Simon did not realize how vulnerable Emmy could be. She looked unbreakable, or at least that was what he thought of her since the first moment they met. So sure about everything, so brave to sleep on a cotton futon, whatever the thing was, in the old scary mansion the Flanders flew away from just a few years earlier. Sure, he said finally. We have to go back. Stand by me. They began to creep into the darkness, going totally blind. They had no idea how far away the exit was, but since it was the same tunnel they went in, and since they took no diversions, they would find no hazards on their way. Simon moved slowly, trying not to lose contact with Emmy. He held his arms in front of him so to feel her legs slam his hands. Actually the sense of emptiness behind him overwhelmed him. If something had come out from down under, if something would have grabbed him from behind, he felt his stomach pressed in a grip. The exit should have been a few yards away, but they looked miles to him. You all right? He asked finally, as to break the silence in which they fell. Yes, okay. Fine. The exit couldn't be too far by the way. Although he was sure millennia had passed since they entered the tunnel, they probably had spent just a few minutes there. However, time seemed to go by slowly in the dark. Plus, it seemed to Simon that someone was waiting for them outside. I'm sorry. Then he said. I did mean to drag you into this. Emmy smiled, but Simon felt relieved and scared at the same time. I'm happy you did, Simon Daner. Besides, we'll be back here tomorrow night. Simon froze. He would never ever get himself again in such a mess. But, he tried to say, then stopped. In front of him, behind what it looked to him the shape of Emmy, the first faint glow of the newly risen moon shone through. The end of that underworld was near. Chapter 9 Do you think we should talk to someone? Asked Simon. They lay on the shores of the lake, the sun shining upon them. Emmy's hairs were scattered on the sand, as she stared at the sky. That morning they had worked on the boats for just a couple of hours. To their relief, John didn't make out anything from the night before. Why? I do not know. Emmy turned toward him. I think we'd better keep it for us. I mean, at least until we find something. Our parents would never allow us to go back down there. Simon lifted up a bit, staring at her. She was right, and he didn't mean to get into trouble only to find that there was nothing there to find. Yesterday dad almost caught me. He finally said. I came inside through the window just a moment before he came to check over me. Mine did not. When I was back they were still downstairs watching TV. Look at that cloud. It looks like you when you get angry. Simon turned up his nose. A beautiful breeze blew from the lake, where some kids were diving. Simon knew most of them. Some were classmates of Kelly. For a moment he wondered how it felt to be grown up. If we were bigger we could go down there without asking anyone's permission and with no fear that someone could find out. If you were bigger you could not even get into there. Simon thought about it. It was true, he agreed. It wasn't worth it. What do we do, Emmy? He asked. I do not know. Simon got to his feet. 
wait here a moment. Emmy saw Simon running to the lake where there were some other boys. He took off his shoes and ran into the water until he reached a small group that was splattering each other near the shore. He looked as some idea had come to his mind. Emmy sat up and watched. Simon stood there, talking animatedly with this cute little kid who looked smaller than he probably was. The boy shook his head a couple of times, while Simon kept on talking in any way. Simon then patted the kid on the back, while the boy shook his head. What is he doing? Asked Emmy the dog that had just arrived and now was nestled against her. Woof. The dog said. Meanwhile, Simon had grabbed the boy by the shoulders. Emmy could not hear what he was saying, but it looked as if Simon was almost about to convince the kid. The boy eventually nodded shyly, his eyes almost covered with a blonde tuft that hanged on his brow. Simon threw his head back and laughed heartily. Then he ran back to Emmy. What's going on? She said. Problem solved. Simon said. What? That is. The problem is solved. Tonight we go back down there. Emmy looked at him. Skeptically. We'll go back. Explained Simon throwing himself on Buffy, the two of them then rolling on the ground. Stop that, Simon. Don't like boys acting in any mysterious ways. Emmy broke out. A. 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 Simon chuckled. What did you say to that kid? Simon tried to get serious and sat down. But Buffy tickled his hands and Simon burst out laughing again. His name is Sam. His father has a lot of gears, I guess. He will lend us a lamp and other stuff we may need. But? Asked Emmy. But what? What's the catch? Simon's face blushed. I promised him I would come with us. Emmy jumped up furiously. You're stupid. Simon Daner. She shouted. How can you be so foolish? Look. Did it occur to you that he's not even nine? He's actually seven. Simon said. But he'll be eight in a few months or so. Seven. Oh, heavens. And, well. Sammy is okay. Seven years. Emmy murmured, shaking his head. Simon laughed happily. Trust me. He said grabbing her waist and helping her to her feet. Emmy spun around and fell on her butt. Buffy jumped on Simon and pulled him down as well. Then the dog licked him in his face, Simon laughing without a break. Emmy folded her arms across her chest. Look at yourself, she said morosely. You're all wet. Hey. Hey. I know. The guys there splashed me hard. Well. Go get a change, then. Later. Simon said keeping on playing with the dog. It was too much fun. Damn you, Emmy said. Then she got up and walked away leaving them alone, as they rolled on the grass. Tonight, Emmy, shouted Simon. I highly recommend it. I'll come to call you. Stay awake. Leave me alone, she said. Simon snatched Buffy's paw and turned it over. Then he began to tickle the dog on its belly. Chapter 10 Night had fallen for a while. A big full moon illuminated the road from a cloudless sky. Simon waited for his parents to get deeply asleep before he went out from the window, reaching ground the same way he did the day before. Kelly was sleeping too. Nobody was there to notice him going out. When he arrived at Emmy's home, midnight was long past. Simon hoped that Emmy was awake, 
but he doubted she was able to last this long. He threw a couple of pebbles against the window and waited. All lights in the house were off. From the lake, he could hear only the sound of waves crashing against the shore. All around was silent. Emmy, are you there? He said, trying not to make too much noise. He did not want everyone in the house to be awake. He waited nearly two minutes and threw three more stones, before deciding that Emmy was asleep. Stupid girl, but better alone then. He started to leave, but at that very moment the window opened. Wait me, dope. Emmy said. In less than a minute she was beside him. I thought you were not to come. Said Simon. Why? Simon shrugged. Because. Maybe. I guessed, he went into a huff. Don't be silly, Simon Daner. Of course I do not. Then stop calling me stupid. You sound like my sister. I don't want to be your sister. Why? Emmy seemed to think it over. Then grinned. Do you want me to? Not really. Said Simon, running away inside the grove. Wait. Shouted Emmy. Do not scream. Wake up everybody. Who? There's no one around. Emmy had trouble keeping up. Simon in spite of all was very fast. You just don't shout. Where's the kid? Simon stopped. The shed stood in front of them. Who? That cute little blondie from this morning. Sammy? He asked. If that's his name. Simon sat cross-legged, catching his breath. Emmy did the same. He will be here soon. Said Simon. By himself? I told you. He's smart. And he's not cute. But. How small is the kid? I mean, it's very late, even for a summer holidays day. He should be in bed, hugging his teddy. This? It can be dangerous. You think it will be safer for us, Emmy? How old are we anyhow? Emmy blushed. In fact they were only a couple of years older than the kid. If grown-ups found out, the three of them would be grounded-like for months. It's just a child, Simon. Simon shook his head. Don't underestimate Sam. He's much smarter than you think. How smart? Asked Emmy. Enough to get us out of trouble. And, I told you, trust me. Besides, there's something important in that cave. What? What's so important? Something like a treasure? Simon smiled but said nothing. Emmy leaned his chin on his hands, his elbows propped on the floor. At that very moment, a tiny shadow appeared from the bushes, walking toward them without haste. Emmy looked at the boy. He was small and thin, with this angelic little face under a mop of blonde hair. It seemed not only harmless but also extremely helpless. And that thing should get us out of trouble, she thought sadly. Sam smiled. He wore a green sleeveless shirt with some shorts made of jeans cut off at his knees. In the moonlight he seemed almost unreal. Like a spirit. Hello, kids. He said shyly. She's Emmy. Said Simon. Hello. Sam replied, blushing. Hello. Emmy said. Then she stood up and headed straight to the entrance of the shed. What's the matter? Asked Sam, in a whisper. Nothing, let's leave her alone. Did you bring what we need? Everything in here. Sam said, showing a little canvas bag. Simon patted him on his shoulder, then ran after Emmy. Emmy, wait. He said, stopping her. What? Emmy said.
Buffy, you don't want to wake him. Her. What? Did you ever notice? Buffy is a girl. But. Emmy pulled her head up, satisfaction pouring from all herself, as she walked toward the door at a steady pace. Simon behind her stood completely unsettled. Sam lit the big lamp that he had pulled out of the bag. The light hit them in their faces. The batteries should last long, Dad fixes cars with that. And it takes a lot before they fade out. Is it fully charged? Asked Emmy. Sam nodded. Well, said Simon. Now, the light on in three of them, that room was not so scary. He moved the shelf as he did the day before, then headed to the entryway. Is it there? Where we are going down? Asked Sam. This is it. So I better go first. Why? Asked Emmy. Because I'm the smallest and because I have the lamp. Said Sam, unable to face her. Why do you have to bring the lamp? Stop it, Emmy. Simon said. It's already late. Okay. Emmy said. But I'm going after him. Simon shivered, thinking he would hang back again alone against the darkness behind him. He could not say anything, anyway. He was the biggest, and certainly Sammy could be in the back. Well, he finally said, let's do it. Chapter 11 Simon crouched in the side of the tunnel. They reached the point where he and Emmy had stopped the night before. Sammy now was pointing the light on the arrow. There was no room to move around but everyone could see that strange sign carved into the rock. It was done with a nail or something, said Sam. How do you know? Emmy asked. I just know it, Sam replied. This means that somebody really went here, said Simon. He could not say whether the discovery excited or frightened him more. We must follow the arrow, Emmy said. Yes, Sam agreed. Simon nodded and Sam began to move toward the tunnel indicated by the arrow. Here the air was damper and cooler than outside. Simon waited for Emmy to enter, then fixed firmly the string that Sammy brought with a spike. If they got lost, they would simply follow to find their way out. They walked for a few yards, then Sam noticed that the gallery was getting wider. If we keep this trend, he said, soon we'll be able to stand. Simon was still worried. He felt responsible and he was afraid something would happen. He didn't speak for a long time, while Emmy and Sam made jokes and chatted cheerfully, instead. After they crawled for about a hundred yards, Sam stopped suddenly. There's another detour, he said, but there are three exits now. The tunnel here was wide enough to allow them to stand side by side. Simon leaned over from behind. No arrows? he asked. No arrows. What do we do? said Emmy. Sam pointed his light on every corner, looking for something that could help them out. Simon looked at his watch. It was almost 2 a.m. They did not know how long the tunnel was, and this was a problem. If they moved themselves too far, they risked not to get out before the sun rose. If we go forward, we'll be late. They will find out. He said finally. I don't care. I want to see where it leads. Emmy said. I think we should go left, said suddenly Sam. Emmy and Simon looked at him amazed. How can you be so sure? asked Simon. Look, Sam said, pointing the lamp to the entrance of the central gallery. Here the stone is very smooth. 
It is rounded and smooth, as if this opening is very old. The right's the same. Simon closed his eyes and thought for a moment what was left and what was right. In fact, he often got confused. Sammy pointed the lamp on the left. Look here instead. He said. The rock is broken and the edges are sharp. It seems as if someone had opened a passageway here. But the gallery behind seems very long. I do not think a kid could dig it, said Emmy. Truce, Emmy. Look. The other two tunnels lead nowhere. The boy had enough time down here to make it out. So he opened this way, a very small opening that got wider going further. How can you say that? Hear the sound of dripping water? Yes. Emmy replied. Listen to the difference with the one coming from other tunnels. Emmy listened in the silence. The drops were falling slowly but on a very regular basis, breaking the deadly silence that otherwise overwhelmed them. The only sound she could hear, besides the one of their breathing. You're right, Emmy said. Sure, Sam replied. The noise of drops from the left seems to be booming. Exactly, concluded Sam. Simon looked at the two of them. He listened without getting the point of what they were saying. What does it mean? He asked then. There is probably a very large room beyond this tunnel, said Sam. The treasure chamber, cried out Simon. His eyes began to glow with happiness. If Sammy was right, maybe going down there had been a great idea after all. Even running if it still meant that they're running the risk of being caught. Too early to tell, said Sam. Then the boy slipped into the opening and fixed the string to indicate where they were from. Simon and Emmy went out. Immediately after that opening there was enough space to walk upright. See, Simon said softly to Emmy. I told you he was smart. The two made several steps into the dark. As a matter of fact, if he paid enough attention, you could hear the sound of the drops coming from the distance. Falling in a strange echo just like a large room was all around. Simon knew it very well. When the furniture in his home has been changed, he and Kelly used to shout into the empty rooms listening for their voice getting weird. It's cold here, Emmy said. Put this on. Simon pulled out a woolen cloth from the bag. In the dark, Emmy looked for his face. Thanks, she said. Come on, Sammy, Simon said, waiting for the child to show up with his lamp. He felt fine by now, and he chased away any thoughts of himself alone in the dark, or of them of being trapped there or of the punishment he would get once his parents discovered what he'd done. From the other side, Sam stretched the rope with all his strengths, making sure it couldn't slip her away untied. He pricked up his ears, then, and opened wide his eyes in the darkness behind him. He waited. Sam! cried the others from the tunnel. Come! the boy said. Emmy and Simon went forward. Sam closed his eyes and tried to concentrate. Then he shook his head and joined the others. Chapter 12 It wasn't just his imagination, still. Down there in the dark, everything seemed dangerous and unexpected. They'd all listened to stories of pirates as little children. No one believed any of those, but everyone knew. People from the lake said those were just legends old people liked to tell to frighten kids and entertain tourists. But danger wasn't a word children from the lake had written in their dictionaries, not when it came to the legendary treasure, no one believed that it actually existed. Yet, even her tummy being sore seemed unlikely when Mum said you already had enough cake. 
That didn't mean that elderly around there were wrong or that Mung was telling lies. Simon knew better. Once he'd eaten a whole brownie, Mung had baked for his birthday. He ate it that very night, sure no one would care. Later on, he puked the heck out of him. Enough to explain why there was plenty of untouched chocolate around Simon's place, young Sam could indulge himself with, when he happened to stroll up to the hill for a quick hello. Sam was in fact that kind of kid that could come over uninvited, poke around for a while, then vanish just like that. Simon knew Mum was okay with him, everyone loved Sammy in the lake, although no one really knew anything about him. That was why the little boy peeking his ears in the darkness should raise some concern. Yet, Simon and Emmy didn't notice as they walked happily a few steps ahead, the two of them talking about the treasure and making plans about how to spend it. Sam walked lost in thoughts, the lamp hanging above his feet. What are you going to do with your share, Sammy? What? asked Sam suddenly aware. Simon laughed happily. Then they went ahead. Less than hundred yards later, the tunnel suddenly stopped in front of them, the walls of stone expanding beyond the cone of light. The chamber. Emmy said aloud. The sound of his words resounded in a deep echo. Simon ran to the center of the hall, where the light from the lamp was brighter. Then he looked around, his mouth open. A large space found its way into the massive rock. Bigger than Simon's bedroom, but not as big as the entire boathouse. The ceiling above them however was higher than the cone of light that came from the torch. From the shadow up their sticks of limestone jutted out, hovering above their head. A glimmering darkness embraced the walls, where sparkles of quartz shone back to them. Well, whispered Simon, this is something. That cave was the work of drips of water flowing its way into the stone for centuries, which was much more than the sum and years of their three lives put together. On the walls, indeed, they could read the signs of a long-gone underground river that probably flew down there in a different era. The floor instead seemed to sparkle as the light poured on the ground. On one side, a puddle of water glistened as liquid silver, barely lightened by the torch. Drops of water kept on falling inside it, ticking as a clock. On the far end, a small passage opened into a new tunnel, too small and too narrow for any of them to pass through. Water wasn't the only thing that left its mark on the stone, on the rocks they could see some strange formations that were only partially due to the erosion. Many of them grew because of the salts dissolved in water. That was why small columns emerged from the floors protruding peaks from a retro platform video game. On the center some of the concretions were so high that it resembled the installation from a postmodern sculptor. It's beautiful. Simon said. Emmy lifted her stare. No matter how Simon raised his arm with the torch, she couldn't see any of the ceiling from there. However, the stalactites pointing down didn't look menacing at all. It was beautiful indeed. It looks like a gothic cathedral, she said at least. Yet, there were some human-made things down there as well. As some of the scratches on the walls which didn't follow any of the signs left by the now dried-up flow of water. Look, said Simon. In one corner, only underlined by the lying glow of its metal profiles, stood a small chest. The wood was mildewed by the damp, its iron frame rusty and torn. It stood against the wall, as forgotten for a long time. Is it? The treasure? Emmy said. I told you. Simon said with confidence. Sam walked in silence up to the chest, then stopped, put his hands into his pocket, and looked at it. There was a big lock and the key wasn't there. However, the wood was rotten. What do we do? He asked calmly. 
If any one of the kids could have a clear look of his face, they could understand how worried he looked instead. It doesn't seem too heavy to me. We can take it with us, and have a better look at it like tomorrow in the daylight, said Simon, in spite of his urging desire to see what was inside the chest. It makes sense. After all, if it was really a kid, the one who brought it down here, it can't be difficult to carry, isn't it? Simon leaned over and tried to pull the chest, as to move or to open it, but he gave up as soon as he realized that it was blocked. He gave a strong pull, trying to tear the rust that was sticking the thing to the rock, and the chest unexpectedly moved. Too easily, in fact. He pulled so hard that he fell backwards, slamming his butt. Ouch. He cried. Too light to be the one chest that holds the treasure you talked about, Simon. Emmy said. Sam took his rucksack from Simon's shoulders and pulled out a small garden shovel. What's that for? asked Simon. You wanted me to dig buried treasures by hand, huh? Simon shrugged. Sam raised the blade and gave a well-aimed thump to the lid. The wood broke easily. Emmy gulped. Sam leaned over to look. Nothing. He said. Impossible. Said Simon. I'm sorry, baby boy. Emmy could not believe they went so far to accomplish nothing. Sure, Simon's story seemed so exciting that she thought it must be for real, but... How does it sound now, as they stood there in the darkness, too far away from home for a bunch of young kids and for that hour of the night? She should know better. How could a buried treasure be something real? Pirates didn't hide gold and jewels, they drank them to the last coin in some rotten tavern. Or they were ripped off of them once they were condemned to hang until death came. Anything else were just fairy tales only a little boy could take for real. And Simon's story was nothing different from that kind of tale. But, what about those signs, then? And the chest? Someone had really been there before. That wasn't Simon's imagination. What does it mean, it's empty? Emmy heard Simon's hysteric voice cry. Sam said nothing, but continued working on the chest with the shovel, enlarging the hole in the lid. Simon stared the kid his arms straight against his body. A sparkle was trembling in his eyes. It can't be, he said. Maybe it's just a child's play. Maybe someone discovered this cave just like we did, and played to hide things. Emmy said. Simon shook his head with all he had. Nonsense. But it's true. No. What's true by the way nowadays? Mumbled Sam from his corner. Simon grunted, then moved away. He turned himself against the rocks, wiping at the same time his eyes with his teeth. But, then no. He wouldn't cry in front of a girl. He wouldn't cry in front of them. Don't cry, Simon. Emmy said, trying to rest her hand on his shoulder. It's okay. We had a great time together. It was funny in any case. Simon moved away from her, abruptly, sliding to the darkest corner. She could not understand. Gotta hate her, that was that. Leave me alone. He shouted, his eyes swollen with tears. He wouldn't cry, yet. But, she said softly. He howled, moving away from her grip. Emmy held back, watching him helplessly, as Simon ran off and holed up. In the shadows, where he crouched in a black silhouette. Sam turned slowly, looked at them, but he said nothing. Sorry. Emmy said to an empty space. Her voice echoed eerily. Simon did not reply. It was just a sobbing, muted by an arm pressed against his mouth, what she heard.
Chapter 13 Ten minutes were already gone since the time Sam had broken the casket. Getting it open had not been easy, because of the wood chips, so sharp that they could open the skin like scalpels. Plus, the wood the rest of the lid was made of was much harder to crack. Sam proceeded methodically, using the small shovel to enlarge the gap. Emmy was kneeling beside him and watched him working without speaking. Let's go out. Simon said suddenly from the other side of the chamber. His voice was unnatural. His nose was stuffed with tears and the echo in the cave made his voice sound like a ghost. Emmy got up and went to him. It's okay, Simon. She said, squatting in front of him. No, he said. It is not. Why? Because everything will be the same. There's nothing here that can help us out. See? Mum and Dad quarreling again. Me and Kelly living in two different places. Emmy stared at him, her heart losing a beat. Simon raised his eyes to meet hers for an intense although sudden look. How could she know? Emmy came closer and took his hand in hers. Simon let her touch him this time. Is that your problem, Sedilla, then? Simon looked away. In the darkness his wet eyes shone like emeralds. I'm sorry, Emmy said. Simon raised his hand, as if to say something. Then, he let it fall to the ground. Drop of water covered with the rhythmic tick the absence of words which, by the way, were necessary no more. The same light from the torch trembled, and faded down. Outside the light fall off, with no boundaries in sight, the cave could extend forever. Suddenly a thud broke the silence. Hey, said Sam. There's something here. Emmy and Simon turned at him frantically, as the boy pointed his lamp right into the casket. Sam turned his head and saw the two other kids looking at him puzzled. He flashed an innocent smile, then got back at what he was doing. The hole he worked on was large enough now, to allow him to put his whole arm inside. He tried at all the corners of the chest until his fingertips touched something. A small metal object, tied with a string, like a pendant or a necklace. Next to it, a scroll. Sam took out both. It's a clue, he said confidently. Simon wiped his eyes with his arm and stood up. A clue? He asked, his voice trembling. I think so. A clue that leads to something or somewhere else. Isn't that what treasure hunting is all about? A clue to the real location of the treasure, you mean? Exclaimed Emmy. Sam shrugged. Maybe. Please, read. Emmy said. Not here. Sam replied. Why? He's right said Simon, his voice steady now. Something's wrong. What? Emmy asked. Was she concerned? Sam pulled the string he used before to mark their way inside the tunnels. He had been smart enough to tie it to some rocks close to the entryway near each bifurcation. Yet, as he pulled it, he soon realized that the thread wasn't taut anymore. Moreover, it was coming off easily, so that he could recover it all. As soon as he had the whole hank, he shined the light at the end of the cord. It was broken. Better. It was cut. Someone followed us. Said Sam. We have to go. Emmy turned paler than she already was. Simon took her hand and squeezed it as strong as he could. Shall we? Said Sam. Okay. Said Simon. He picked up the lamp and put it inside the bag. It was extremely dark now but the tiny light coming from the fabric of the rucksack made the way clear enough for them not to stumble. Therefore, they began to walk backwards, towards the exit.
Who followed us? whispered Emmy. A grown-up wouldn't pass the first tunnel. And the kid should be already in bed at this time of the night, thought Simon, without saying it. They walked carefully, trying not to make noises. If there was really someone waiting, it had to be at the first fork in the tunnel. Simon wondered if there was another way to go in there. What do we do? he asked finally. Nothing, said Sam. The others didn't reply. They knew he was right. There was no way out, in fact. They had to go ahead, find what was wrong, and fight if they had to. But that thought was scary enough to give them shivers. Emmy leaned on Simon's arm, and he realized that she was trembling. They were both frightened, and that sounded just right, the whole place was scary. I will protect you, Simon said, and was about to find Emmy's hand in the darkness. Yet, Sam pulled his tea and forced him to stop. The fork is there, he said. Simon gulped. He had never been so scared in his entire life, but he had to be strong this time. That was the thing when he chose to go on an adventure. Well, there was nothing he could do if he had to face a ghost, but if it was a boy of his age the one who followed them. Well, then things changed. I go, said Simon. Actually, I wasn't as keen as he wished to appear. Agree, you go, said Sam. Simon pushed up the lamp, then crept slowly toward the opening that led to the following tunnel. In the dark, losing the way too much easy, but Simon memorized any bend and any slope change along the way. It was smart of him now that the string was gone, but he had only his memory to rely on. When Simon reached the fork, however, there was nobody there. Come, he whispered. Emmy and Sam cleared their way to the tunnel. They cannot stand there, so they knelt trying to make up their mind. Someone has pulled the string on the other end and broke it. Sam eventually explained. How can you tell? Simon asked. They tried to enter and to widen the entryway. Probably with a pick or something. Sam remembered the noises he heard before, when they were going inside. When they saw that the passage was still too tight, they pulled the string, trying to figure out what it was for. And the string broke at the point where you tied it. Which is? That ledge over there continued Simon. Sam nodded. The rock there was very sharp. He shouldn't use that hold, but on the other hand it was the only one he had found. Who is following us, then? asked Emmy. This is not the point, Sam said. What's the point then? asked Simon. The point is, that the rock here is very crumbly. The strokes or mysterious guess gave before doesn't help. What are you talking about, Sammy? asked Emmy. That whole passage could collapse. Any moment now. Oh. Heaven. Yes. We have to hurry up, or run the risk of staying here forever. Buried, I mean. Which was not in my bucket list, but... Whatever. Are you serious, Sam? Emmy said. About what? Emmy waved her hand in the air, as she'd better skip to know the answer. Well, me I don't want to die at ten, buried in a cave. Plus, we had a treasure to find. Go ahead, baby boy, Sam replied, and hope our steps do not cause more damage. Simon gulped. As he put his foot on the ground, shards fell on his back. Chapter 14 The exit wasn't far from where they were, but time ran unabated. They had two problems by now, 
Get out before dawn and get out at all. Maybe he's just old John, Simon said. Perhaps he came only to check the boats and found the shelf out of place. Then moved the shelf back and broke the cord. That's okay. I don't think he can be really mad at us. Even if he finds out, he'll understand. No way. He'll tell. No, John's my friend. He won't say a word. Don't know about your parents, but that's not the right time for me to make any trouble. John knows. He will back me, 100%. What if he does not? Then I can take another item on my bad things happen monthly list. Said Simon. And I'll be grounded. You should review your priorities, baby boy. Sam said. At the moment, the only ground you're going to have is the one that's collapsing over us. We have to get the heck out of here. Sam did not small talk. Simon, in fact, already felt debris coming down from the ceiling. However, the rock seemed still solid and there was no reason to believe that the tunnel was going to collapse any time soon. Now they had to proceed again on their fours, one behind the other. There was not much room to move, and if everything fell apart, well, that would be a mess. What do you think we found? asked Simon. If a treasure really exists, it sounds like a map to me. Emmy said. It can be. I could move to New Zealand, thus, said Sam. Why New Zealand? Why not? I just want to go home, Emmy said. Why? Simon asked. All my friends are there. You have us, Sam said. I do, she said. Hey, Simon. You're my friend as well? Simon grunted something. He had dust into his eyes whilst his hands kept on bumping into Emmy's feet. You must be kidding, he muttered at the end, me befriending a girl? Fancy that, Emmy said. Do you have a crush on me, Simon Daner? Simon blushed. Do not be silly. He screamed then. Sammy's laugh filled the air. The gallery was really narrow now, but the exit should be in reach. They had lost time at first, when they were sure things would get badly wrong. They probably did not. They would get out before dawn, and everything would be fine. This was real life. And bad things didn't really happen to kids in real life, did they? If John's already gone, I'll tell him that I was the one who moved the shelf, and that I threw a cord in the tunnel, just for fun. Said Simon. What kind of fun throwing a cord in a tunnel could be? Asked Sam. The kind of fun little nosy children can't understand. Do you really have friends to miss, Emmy? Asked Sam out of the blue, leaving Simon's remark uncommented. We moved a lot, I guess. But, yes, I met a lot of nice kids on my journeys. I bet no one is better than me, though. Emmy laughed. You're a cutie, Sammy boy. I hope you are okay with befriending girls. Simon grunted. See, this is why boys should stick with boys in this kind of quest. How many quests have you been into up to now, baby boy? Sam asked. Enough. Let's find a way out of here, then we talk. Are you sure John will be okay if he finds out? Emmy tried to say. I mean, my parents are okay, but this is not very me, being out there in the darkness running real dangers. Simon shook his head. I don't know, but he's not the one who nags. However, our parents will know nothing. You have my word. Fine. Emmy said. That settled that. Look over there. Sam exclaimed then. I can see the light. 
Yes, we got it. What if John is out there? Simon thought about it. If he was right, Jonathan would put the shelf in place before leaving. He felt again that grip on his stomach. It's not a problem. He lied, trying to remain calm. I told you. I'll talk with him. He won't say a word. We're almost there. Sam said. He was less than two yards away from the exit. Simon moved forward, overtaking the others, and was about to take that final stretch when he suddenly stopped, shivering. He knew old Jonathan very well. He wouldn't ever mismatch his friendly features, framed in his white beard and his bushy eyebrows. Problem in fact was that the face before him didn't belong to old John at all. Plus, friendliness was not the word Simon read in those eyes that was staring at him in the darkness from the other side. Crawling bugs. The boy who stood before him said. He was short, ugly and taut. Simon muted his scream. Emmy bumped on him, while Sam crushed against her. What? Go away. Cried the boy. Then he lifted up what it seemed to Simon a pickaxe, and struck it with all his strengths again the entryway. No, cried Simon. You fool. The ceiling collapsed. A dense cloud of dust enveloped them. The air became so heavy that breathing was challenging. Even the sounds of the picks were muffled. We'll get trapped. Simon yelled. Stop it now. They heard the sound of the shell from on the other side. The boy had put it back in place. A block of rubble lied ahead. The gallery was closed. They were trapped, and no one would ever listen them, even if they started screaming on the top of their lungs. Simon felt as a frantic pain in his chest. He wanted to scream with all he had, but he managed to calm down. His eyes went to Emmy who was trembling in the now unreal shade. He closed his hands and tried to chill out. We're trapped. He finally said. But I'll get you out. I promise. Sam shook his head. He knew there weren't too much they could do. Chapter 15 What do we do now? Asked Emmy. She was calm now, as if everything looked unnatural. If she pretended that everything was okay then it would be for real. Dad had told her. Any problem had its solution, no matter what. I don't know. Sam stated matter of fact. Maybe there's another way out. Simon said. No one spoke for a while. It was clear by now that the point was to get out alive from that tunnel. They didn't care about their parents any longer. Simon thought there was a moral after all. Now I know. He said. I mean. The reason why our parents would get angry if they knew. What? They're right. Kids going around alone by night. That's dangerous. Emmy squeezed her body in her arms. She was cold. We'll get a cold, don't we? She said, her tiny body shaken by shivers. Simon looked at her. He wished he could borrow her some clothes by he has only his now torn tea to offer. Here. He said nonetheless, stripping from his shirt and handing it to her. In the rucksack he found a sleeveless undershirt he used sometimes as a pajama, left there since the last time he went camping with Dad, yawned before, and he put it on. In the darkness he couldn't see Emmy smiling back at him. They had gone patiently back to the place where the tunnel widened, so they could comfortably sit. Soon it would be day, but lost in the dark as they were, it wouldn't mean too much. You know that guy, Simon? Sam suddenly asked. Unfortunately, he replied. Jackie Zarbon. He's your friend? 
asked Emmy. Are you kidding? I know him since my first day of school. He used to beat me like every other week, then. He stopped bullying me when my old pal Kenny came to town. When Ken moved, he didn't care about me anymore. Apparently, he's three years older than me and he's crazy. What do you mean when you say crazy? Crazy, gone, out of mind. He spends half his time with this drunken idiot, in narrow line, and with these Steve Meyer and Robert Sarton. His mother says he behaved badly just because he doesn't have many friends, which makes sense as long as everyone who tried to approach him get kicked in his butts. But the truth is that he's mad as a fish in an astronaut's helmet. Maybe that's the reason why he doesn't have too many friends, Sam said. He has none. Those who hangs around him are crazier than him. Once they broke all the windows of the church just to see if saints could come through. I know it because Kelly saw them. And they did? What? The saints. Did they come? Shut up, Sam. Simon snorted. Why did he trap us down there? Asked Emmy. Simon didn't answer. Once he told Jack he was an idiot, which was that truth, but Jack had a different idea. It was the day Simon saw him, harassing this little kitten. Jack thus left the cat alone, and went on at Simon. Simon came home with a swollen hand and a sprained shoulder. Scratches and bruises were under his shirt, so Mum didn't notice. Yet Simon couldn't help. Big ones beating little ones. That was something he simply couldn't stand. That time, Simon had told the whole story to his math teacher. Jack was suspended. Two days later he came to him at school. Kids were swarming out and Simon got caught in the middle of the schoolyard. Jack faced him, Simon ignored him, Jack freaked out. That same day the kids shouted in front all Simon's schoolmates that sooner or later he'd get rid of him. And apparently, he meant it. Since then, tough, Simon simply turned his head on the other side when they met. Was Jack so unfocused that he'd lost interest in pursuing him? Simon hoped so. At least he did until now. He's after me. Simon eventually said. He followed me all the way and found out where we went. So what? It's because of the treasure? Killing us just for a legend? Emmy said. I don't know and maybe I don't care. Simon said bitterly. And you're right. How full of me was to believe all those babyish stories. There are no pirates, no maps, no treasures. Just us and a mad kid who wants us dead. Everything else was a stupid illusion. I don't think so. Sam said. The other kids looked at him. Sam took the pendant he found, and lifted up, in the light of his fluorescent necklace. What? asked Emmy. Sammy sat serious and thoughtful as he carefully looked at the lines engraved on the bronze. The faint light that came from Emmy's keyholder casted shadows on the small artifact seemed to give almost life at the small thing. Wait. Give me the light. Said Simon. I knew it. Sam said and nodded. Simon and Emmy stared at him puzzled. It was much smaller than them, and under that unnatural glow looked even tinier and helpless. But for maybe the fourth time, he proved himself the smartest one. Simon crouched against him. He felt the sweaty arm of the child against his. It helped him to see that little Sam was there for real. What have you found, Kitty? He asked. Even though Simon wasn't old enough to nickname Sam that way, the little boy didn't seem to care at the slightest. The kid who left the treasure here must have drawn a map of the tunnels. Look, these signs mark the ramifications we went through. He pointed to a line engraved on the bronze.
This is where we entered, this is the first bifurcation, and this is the second. Last, this X stands for the room where we found Chest. And the other lines? The secondary tunnels. Emmy stated. There are several, but they don't seem too long. Agree, Sam said. But there's more. See this circle? Yes, Simon replied. Truth was he didn't see a thing, because of the light, too dim for his eyes to notice details like that. It marks the entry at the end of the first tunnel. Hey, there's another circle there, exclaimed Emmy. Exactly. It means that there's another exit, and the one who engraved this medallion had found it. Simon was confused. But, if there's another way to get in, he said, why on earth they didn't use it? I mean, to me the one we came through seemed stressful enough. It's so narrow, only the kid could pass through. Why the pirates didn't go long? Could they entrust a boy with such a fortune when there might be another way, which also meant another way out? We don't know it, Simon. We're just guessing. Maybe he wasn't a boy after all. Maybe he wasn't alone. Maybe there's no such a thing as a pirate's treasure. Emmy pointed out. Simon looked at her as seeing her for the first time. The light was so faint that the lines of her face faded into the dark. For the first time in his entire life Simon thought that girls were strange creature he knew nothing about. I, he started, but the sound of his voice died in his mouth. And maybe this other exit is out of reach, or too narrow to pass through. Emmy concluded. I don't know. Why he left the arrows at every fork, if he had a map of the tunnels? Plus, what was the map for? He just went in, dropped the chest and left? Plus, there was no treasure to be found there. The chest was empty. Apart for the scroll, Emmy said. They left him behind. Sam said suddenly. The others turned to him. What? Asked Simon. They abandoned him. Ask someone to hide a treasure, close the entrance, leave your only witness trapped for life. The best way to keep your hideout secret. But the chest was empty. Simon said. Of course it was. The kid did. Just. Okay, close your eyes, baby boy. What? Close your eyes. But. Sam tiptoed and put his hand on Simon's eyes. You're here. You're a kid. You're trapped. But. Tell me what you see. I'm. I'm here. Alone. And. They left? They left because they were pirates. I mean. Not the kind of men you can trust. What do you see? Nothing. I mean. It's dark. I'm a kid and it's dark. I'm scared, Sammy. I'm freaking out. Yes, you are. What do you see? Nothing. I, I wait. They will be back. They don't. What do you see? A, nothing. I see some. A light, a torch. I have a torch. But it won't last. What do you do? I, I have no too much time. Soon the light will be off. Right. What do you do? I, I go around. You're smart. You're unbelievably smart. I, I calm down. I go around, but I take note. I've got this medallion. Don't know why. Maybe it was in the stupid chest they made me carry. A heavy chest. Too heavy for a boy too. Wait. Maybe in the chest there's something that can help me out. What do you do? I open the chest. Probably I'm in the chamber now. There's a lamp? There's a lamp.
No lamp. What do you do? I, I open the chest. I look for something I can burn. You find nothing. What do you do? I, maybe I have something in my pocket? Yes. What do you do? Some kind of smoked meat, or fish or... Or lard? Yes, the captain gave me. Some bread, something to eat before I die. What do you do? I cut a strap from my clothes. I wrap my torch with it. No, I grease the fabric. Then I burn it. Okay. You have a torch that will last hours. Do I? I promise. What do you do? I check the tunnels. All of them. I mean, I have nothing else to do, and I don't want to die here. Yes, you're smart. What do you do? I've got this medallion. I engrave every fork I find. I leave signs on the entry of every tunnel. I engrave my whereabouts on the medallion. I have a map. I won't get lost. Time's almost over. But? I find an exit. A secret one. I can go out. But? 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 But I take my part. What do you do? They left me here. I take my part. I open the chest. I take the gold. I leave the medallion in the scroll. I go outside. You go outside. Simon opened his eyes. Wow. Even in the darkness, Sam's smile shone bright. Emmy looked at the two of them in disbelief. Simon was panting. Sam was still on the tip of his feet, his hands still on Simon's eyes. The little kid threw his head backward and let a funny laugh came out. You got it right, baby boy. He said. The kid must have spent a lot of time down here. Maybe they gave him some candle. Maybe a lamp. Maybe he really used his clothes and some lard. Point is, before he ran out of food and water and light he knew every single turn, every single tunnel of this cave by heart. He got to acquaintance the place so well that he was able to carve a map. Then, when he found that there was another way out, he leave the caves and maybe managed to find some stuff and supplies he could use later. When he came back, he simply took the treasure with him and vanished. But, why did he leave the scroll in the pendant? Emmy asked. This, I don't know. Sam said. It's not important now. Simon added. His watch said it was four. It seemed impossible that so much time had passed, but he had read that time spent underground seemed to pass quicker. He didn't care yet, in less than an hour the sun would dawn. Perhaps nothing was lost, but they had to hurry. Let's go. He said. We'll think about it tomorrow. Now we just have to get out of here. Sam nodded. So did Emmy. Simon took the light and pointed it on the medallion. Come on, kiddo. He said to Sam. Show us the way. Chapter 16 It took at least an hour to find the right way. The lines on the medallion were not always easy to follow, but the tunnels were large enough and they moved fast. According to the medallion, the exit was not too far. It's been a lot of walking. Emmy said. Where did this gallery come out anyway? Sam shrugged. He didn't know. I think we're not far from the farm of Talbots. Simon said. You know. There's a mountain that turns on itself and there's the valley and the river below. Yes. Sam replied. I think we are there. How come? Asked Amy, who had no idea where the house of Talbots was. What? You would get lost in your room. 
You have no idea of where we are, Simon Daner, don't you? See? That's why you girls shouldn't put your nose on boys' stuff. Being in trouble and almost dying underground is a boy's thing? You know what I mean. Simon cut short. But he was aware that he was the one who didn't know what he meant anymore. By the time Simon's clock struck the hour, the three kids were dead tired. They've never been so late at night. That was the only thing Simon was sure of now. He longed for the moment he could put his head on his pillow. He would sleep for a month afterwards. Over there. Sam said suddenly. According to the medallion this would be the last tunnel. Simon squinted, seeing a dim light coming out from the distance. It's the exit. Emmy said. Yes, Simon said in his bitter voice. The sun should have risen and the sky now was clear. That was bad, although that was also okay. They covered quickly the last feet that parted them to the exit. The opening was not much larger than a basketball and overlooked a cliff that after several feet dropped down to the river. It was dangerous. Really dangerous. The slope, however, was not so steep as to prevent the kids to ascend it. Simon leaned out and considered the situation. We're below the Talbots, as I guessed. Can you guess us out of there? Asked Emmy. She wasn't really teasing him this time, and Simon was too tired to take the bite in any case. I don't know if we can pass through. I hope this entry could be bigger than the one we came through, but it isn't. Sammy can. For sure. Emmy noticed. The three of them were slender and lean but the hole was very narrow. Sam was the smallest and thinnest. He could mate easily through the passageway, but Simon couldn't bet on him or on Emmy, though. We have no other options, by the way. We should try. He said, trying to pass his arms through the hole. Wait. Sam said. From their bag he pulled out the little garden shovel and handed it to Simon. Try with this. Simon took the tool and tried it on the hole, which was mainly made of compacted soil. After five minutes, he smiled satisfied. There were no solid rocks to block their way in fact. Probably the entry has been closed with some earth to easily block the passage. That was okay. The hole was large enough now for the three of them to pass through. Well, it should work now. Fine. Emmy said. She went first, paying attention to what Simon said to her. Simon has spent whole days around the lake, since he was a small boy. He knew these slopes by hearth and knew his way around these places. He could even remember him slipping to the river down below once, and he had learned from his past. Emmy looked at him, her face scattered with dirt and scratches. You're not so bad after all, she said. There was something this cryboy was good at. She moved forward, without waiting for Simon's replay. The two boys came after her. The morning was incredibly cold. In the sky the sun drew a strip of golden light that spread around the horizon. As a sunset of a rare beauty. They reached the bottom. This is my gold. Sam said looking at the sky in front of them. Then he flew away. Sammy. Simon cried. See you later, baby boy. To the treehouse. He shouted back, then he vanished beyond a hill. Emmy looked stunned at his direction. But she said. Simon laughed heartily. I know, this is Sam. You can't put him in a cage. Nor underground for that matter. Emmy shrugged doubtfully. Perhaps he doesn't want his parents to find out. Oh, no. Not him. Said Simon. This is our problems, not his. Why? 
Simon spread his hands. Just because. You and I, though, were in serious trouble. Hope nobody noticed. What? Well, this is the lake, Emmy. Everyone here knows everything about everyone else. That's the way it is. Look, it's morning. Someone will see us. Before you say A, the whole town will know we spent the night outside. A. Don't be silly. I'm not. She replied doubtful. I am more concerned for your friend. Whatever his name was. Who? Jack? Not a problem at all. He won't say a word, or he'll be in trouble too. And he's no friend of anybody. Besides, nobody trusts him. Plus, it's me he wants. You. He doesn't care. However, he'll get rid of me sooner or later, one way or the other. And? Aren't you afraid? Asked Emmy. I am. But I'm used to. Emmy stared at him. Simon didn't look the same kid she had met just a couple of days before. He was not the kind of boy she thought of. She smiled. I race you. To the first row of trees. She shouted, and sprinted forward before Simon could get what she was talking about. That's unfair. Simon cried. You're a boy, Simon Daner. I can fool you whenever I want. Simon pointed at her in anger, jumping up and trying to reach her. But it was too late. She was now just one step away from the goal. I won. She shouted. You stupid girl. Simon said, in short breath. Simon went with Emmy up to her house. He gave the last look of the eerie building this girl and her family dared to live in, then shrugged. None of his business. He wasn't supposed to go inside in any case. He waved a quick goodbye to Emmy, then headed to the hill. It was getting late, but he was still confident that his parents were still asleep, and that no one had seen them along the way. He couldn't wait to meet Sammy and Emmy again later that day, to see what was written on the scroll. Sam had taken everything with him. He wouldn't wait, Simon was sure about it. He figured him, couched on the floor, his eyes staring at the paper. He smiled. He was happy after all, but Jack Sarvon was still there, in his mind, as pebble in a shoe. He was hungry and he was cold. The thin fabric of the pajama he was still wearing was drenched with ice sweat by now. His bare arms and legs caked with grass and mud. He ran the last miles with whatever strength he had left from the night out. He had lied to Emmy. He was worried and scared. Truth was that Jack had almost tried to kill them. That wasn't a kid's play anymore. He leave them behind. No. He buried them in that cave. He didn't flinch a single time, he just did it aware of the consequences of his actions. Simon didn't know what the kid was really able to act that way. That was gruesome. Besides, Simon couldn't still understand why Jack hated him so much. When he was finally home it was 5.30 in the morning. Simon could not stand up. He would get into his room, throw on the bed, and sleep. Dressed and dirty as he was. Mum wouldn't see him. He would have time to wash and change before breakfast. The perfect crime, he thought. He reached his house, and climbed the tree up to his room. Piece of cake, he guessed. Which was also what he fancied at the moment, in spite of him being so tired. He slipped twice, though, and nearly fell to the ground. Finally, however, he reached the roof and crawled to the window of his room, still open as he left it. He took a deep breath and he entered inside his bedroom with a leap. He fell awkwardly to the ground and cursed himself for the thud.
Ouch. He whispered, as he hit a shoulder and a leg. It did hurt, but he didn't care. Bedtime, he thought happily. Then, he looked up and shivered. Where have you been? Dad, sit on the armchair that faced the window, was there, waiting for him to come back. Chapter 17 Where on earth have you been, kid? Simon was petrified. Dad was in front of him, sat in the armchair that faced the window. His muscles taut, his hands tightened so that his fingers were white around their joints. On his face, a grimace of fear. He looked worried, more than he was angry. Simon froze. He had no idea since what time Dad sat there. What he knew was that he didn't move from that chair as soon as he had seen the bed was empty. And Dad never checked on him, unless he was worried and couldn't sleep. When I see you sleeping, all my troubles fade away, he used to say. Not anymore, evidently. It's not as you think, Dad. Simon said. Suddenly he realized he urged to wee. I thought I could trust you, kid, but... Obviously, I was wrong. Dad, please. I did nothing wrong. Oh, you did, boy. Dad. He never lost his temper. You were out, Simon. All night long. You know how much time I spent here, waiting for your little adventure to be over? His gaze pointed to the open window, from where it was clear that Simon has flown away. I was okay, Dad. Just the kids play. How can you be so selfish? I was here thinking that. Anything could have happened. And you were. Doing what? Playing around. Chasing adventure? Darn. You have no idea how I felt. You did as well at my age. You told me. You know nothing. That's the lake, we used to watch each other. You have no arguments you can use with me. And I was scared. But I. His voice is broke. Dad father was staring at him, as he was seeing him for the first time in a while. Simon felt tears in his eyes, but he wouldn't cry. Dad was right. They ran a stupid risk. Buried underground and he didn't even know about that. And for what? How stupid of him. He could have died. Emmy could have died. Sammy could have died. No one would help, because no one knew where they were. He lowered sadly his eyes. Dad stared at him and took his time. Mom? Simon softly said. Mom is sleeping. Dad finally said. I want you to tell her. I have done nothing wrong, Dad. His father shook his head. You let me down, son. He only said. Then he stood up and left. Simon sat helplessly on the ground. The sun was high in the sky now, and a slight breeze swung his window open. Any other time that would be a wonderful morning. The voices of the kids from the lake reached him from outside. From the distance, a hawk cried high in the sky. There was something in the air that felt different that day. Why Dad didn't come for him? Simon pushed that though on the back of his head, and crouched on his bed. He guessed he couldn't sleep anymore, but as soon as his head touched the mattress, he fell asleep in a sleep without any dreams. Later, when Simon went downstairs for breakfast, he felt himself inappropriate. As he entered in the kitchen, he sensed everybody's eyes fixed on him. He went in without a word. Kelly sat at the piano, and stared at him. She knew Simon did it wrong this time, but she couldn't guess the reason. It's about time, lad. I want the cellar tidy and clean, and I want it for this evening. Dad said. Simon said nothing. 
He sat at the table and nibbled a slice of toasted bread. He wasn't hungry now, and he was tired. He felt as he were drained out of the energy. He never meant to hurt his dad. Simon did it wrong, a daddy? Kelly said. It's none of your business, young lady. But he's grounded, a dad? What about the soul asylum? He can forget about it, can't he? Simon raised his eyes. But, he can't go to the concert, can he, Dad? Stop it now, or you won't too. I did nothing wrong, Kelly objected. To your room. But, go, now, Dad replied. Kelly snorted then ran upstairs. Simon looked down again. The grip in his stomach went wild, but he forced himself to eat the few crumbles left on the plate. He felt sorry. Really. But what he wouldn't stand was the look in one's eyes. That look, he knew, would last until the very end of summer. The sad hopeless look, she always tried to hide. The same she had when dad was around. And all this mess he had done, for sure, wasn't going to help. Dad, I've done something stupid, but I'm sorry. Simon tried to say. He wanted him to understand, to fell his arms around him, just like as he used to do when he was six. He needed to feel himself in his embrace. There's no I'm sorry, Simon. This is something you have to know, and you have to understand it now. You want to ride wild? You cannot. You can't do whatever you want to. There are rules in this house, and are for your own sake. If you don't understand, I can't help. That's it. Period. You don't deserve us to trust you. I'm sorry. Simon whispered again. Dad stood up, picked up the bag with the trash and the key of his car. It was going downtown and he wouldn't be back until tonight. Enough speaking for today. Wait, said Simon. He. There was something he wanted to say. Just, he couldn't just let him go. He would tell him everything. He would tell him about the treasure if necessary. But he didn't want to let him go just like that. You are my son, and I love you, Simon. Dad said eventually but I don't want to hear another word from you, not even to hear you say you just won the national lottery. For me you don't exist anymore. At least, until I'll get over it. I just wanted to help. Help who? He shook his head and waved a hand in the air. Darn. Help what? You wanted to help, well, you didn't. You're just another problem I don't need. But, Simon said, that's all, son. I want you out at 7 a.m. Go to John's, help him, then back home. No lake, no TV, no stupid walk around with your friends. And that's not over. Dad. And, of course, forget about the concert. Dad. His father came out carrying the bag with him. No matter what, he wouldn't listen. Kelly from upstairs laughed out loud. Then she saw Simon's face, and felt sorry about him. For Emmy things went much better. No one noticed her absence. Her parents were still asleep when she went back. She had thrown herself on the bed. The house had never seemed quieter and creepier. But she didn't care. She slept until ten. Asleep without dreams. When she finally got up, she was still very tired. She went to the bathroom to clean up and change her dresses. Then she went downstairs. Her mother was there, watching TV and ironing. Hello, little one. She said. You slept like a log. All night long. Sorry if I didn't wake you. I guess you want me to. To go to that place, 
the boathouse. But, you looked so tired yesterday. I didn't want to bother you. What? She said, confused. She couldn't get a single word her mom was saying. Well, I didn't want to bother you. You never wake up late, I guess you was very tired. Emmy shook her head, trying to wake her up. Definitely, mom. She said. Then she sat down and felt sick as she saw the slices of bread. She left her for breakfast. She swore she wouldn't eat any food for at least a week. Where's daddy? Then she asked. He went to town. He needed something for the roof. The roof isn't the only problem with this house, isn't it, mom? I think we're doing just fine, sweetie. And I know you like it here. I do, mom. People from the lake, they shun these walls, but I love this place. It's like being finally home, isn't it? Emmy looked mum. She never looked happier. A place they could finally call home, even if she knew that it couldn't last forever. Dad's job will part them again and again. But at least, creepy as his was, this place could be always where they would return. Finally. Home. Did Dad try that old rusty key for the garret? I guess he did. And? And it worked just fine. However, he didn't check up there yet. Fine. Emmy said. You go out later? I think so. You can put this shirt on, then. I just ironed it. It makes you look like a sugar candy. Emmy grunted something. Then she stood and poured some orange juice in a glass. That kid. Her mom said. You know him. Who, mom? Emmy snorted. She just realized that she couldn't stand her mom talking. It was too early and she felt too bad. That kid. That one so cute. The one came here with that old man. You should invite him over. He could have tea with us sometimes. It looks so polite. Simon isn't cute, Mom. Indefinitely he's not polite. Well, I think he is. His eyes, emeralds. If only your father was like him at his age. He was clumsy, instead, and fat. But he changed. He was the kind of guy that, you know, he kept on training and training and training. There are no sports he didn't try. And now, look at him. He's the most beautiful man in town. How many men does have this town, Mom? She knew that story by heart. Oh, you know what I mean. And that kid is cute, darling. I would hold him very thigh if I were you. You're lucky. Listen to your mom. It's not easy to find a friend like him at you age, sweetheart. Leave me alone, Mom. Emmy said. She grabbed a cookie double chocolate and disappeared. She went back into his room, where she waited for someone to call. Chapter 18 Simon sat on his bed. He was very sad and wished with all his heart to wipe off the last hours of his life. But he could not. He had not told Mum yet, and he didn't know how to do it. However, Dad would ask him to explain sooner or later and he simply could not. He had to sneak out again. There was no other way. He had to talk with his friends, read the clue, try to make clear if the treasure really existed. If he found it, things would be better. He could work it out, he really could. If only he could have a chance. He cuddled up, his knees against his chest. He had to, but if he went out, Dad would never forgive him. There was no way out. He did not know what to do. Someone knocked. Simon didn't answer, 
but the door opened and Kelly came in. All right, bro? She asked. Simon shook his head. Kelly sat on the bed and stared at him. He said nothing. Their silence was filled with the voices of the kids from the distance. The splash of their dives, the dares of the trues, the ready or not here I come, the swish of frisbees and dragon kites, the wind in the trees, the leaves on the waves. The sounds of the summer. Mom and Dad will split. Simon suddenly said. His lips were pressed against his knees. His blunt voice barely perceptible. No, said Kelly. Yes, they will. He looked at her. Can't you see? Always arguing. Simon. I know. At night. Hear them speaking. What if you're only dreaming? What if I'm not? Simon. No, listen. I wake up. Can't sleep anymore. They're downstairs. Shouting at each other. That's money problems, Simon. You know, it ain't easy. I mean, what they are going through. They'll split. They won't. They're still in love. They're not. They are. I know it. It changes nothing. Open your eyes, Kelly. They're gone, period. And there's nothing we can do about it. Nothing. And nothing will be like before. Kelly said nothing. In the depth of her heart, she knew his brother was right. Sorry for the concert. It was more about you than about me. Simon said in a muffled voice. It's okay, bro. I don't really care going without you. His first rock concert. He looked up and see how Kelly was looking at him. For a stupid moment he felt like she really loved him. He opened his lips to say something, but she just stroked his arm and left the room. Simon turned his head. Then he stuck again his eyes on his knees. He closed his hands and wished he was never born. You let yourself get caught? Simon raised his head up and tried to make out from where the voice did come from. What the? With a leap Sam stepped over the window left open and sat on the bed on the opposite side from him. He wore the same clothes of the day before and he didn't look as he had taken a shower. Simon closed his eyes. He saw him into the treehouse, kneeling, his eyes fixed on something, probably had been up until now to study the scroll. You didn't go home, did you? Simon asked. Forget it. Sam said. There are other things. You come? No. Simon said. You can't? No. Okay. Never mind, I'll do it by myself. Emmy will help. Do what? Sam thought about it, then pulled out a notepad from the back pocket of his pants. He looked at it, deeply, as searching for something. Then he turned again to Simon. You like her, right? He said unexpectedly. Simon blushed. What are you talking about? Do you like her or not? Simon looked away. She's a girl. How can I like her? Sam threw himself back on the bed and laughed wildly. What a creepy weirdo to deal with. Simon tossed the pillow over him, but he didn't stop. Then Sam sprang to his feet, his dirty shoes firmly planted on the bed. If mom sees you, you're dead. Simon could only say. The treasure exists. Sam doubtless said. Or at least it did. Unless someone else has already found it. Simon's eyes widened, his problems forgotten, by now. How can you tell it? The scroll. Of course. Have you read it? That's a stupid question, Simon. You know I did. Yes, I know. 
Simon stared at him. He didn't look seven at all. Well, he did, but the things he said are the things he knew. What did you find? Sammy sat cross-legged on the bed. The boy's name's Jamie Silver. He had boarded a merchant ship when he was nine. I believe that his parents had entrusted him to the commander. To learn how to sail. Maybe I'm wrong, though. Maybe they sold him. For money, I mean. They used to do things like that back in the days. He worked as a cabin boy, or something. However, a couple of years were passed when his ship was attacked by pirates. Real pirates, I mean, not that stupid things you like to play. And not even that dumb idiots you see in TV. They were tough people, baby boy, hundred times tougher than you. Shut up, weirdo. The kind of people that plundered ships and raided village. And had no mercy, not even for women and children. Simon pricked his ears up, resting his chin on his bent knees. The fact is that this guy, Captain Dawson, continued Sammy, get rid of the entire crew of the ship, and sack the stow, where they stored the goods to be sold in Europe in stocks of food. Plus, commander's personal treasure. Simon shook his head, confused. Wait a minute. You want me to believe that the scroll said all that? Not at all, baby boy. Say, I just know it. The point is that this Jamie was hidden in some place in the ship. The pirates found him and thought better not to kill him. Young arms are always at hand. In fact, Captain Dowson took him under his protection, thinking he might be a pirate like he was someday. Jamie wasn't very happy about this, but what's important, the other men on the ship hated him. Mean, like they'd like to kill him. The vessel after a week the kid was aboard, ran aground just off these coasts, and the crew, who were badly superstitious, thought that the fault was in the newbie. So, when Captain orders to land and says take the treasure, hide it somewhere, these men take the kid with them. To teach him how to move and orientate on an unknown land, they say. Say the kid trusts these guys, and say the place is worth a visit. You know what I mean, baby boy? I do. Right. They land. You follow. In truth they have no intention to leave the kid back alive. So, they walk like hours inside the mainland, then they find the entry of our caves, and once there, they force the boy to get down there. To hide the treasure in a safe place. You're the only one that can pass through, they say. And that's the safest place. Go, boy, for the treasure and for your captain. And he does. Why? He thinks he can run away. Besides, He's fond of the captain. He really wants to please him. But the man, once he's inside crushed the entrance. Just like your friend did yesterday. Jack's not my friend. Simon argued. Whatever. With the exit closed Jamie is trapped. He's underground, with these shiny things that he can't eat and he can't warm himself with. He's rich, kid, beyond any imagination. But he's going to die buried as an earthworm which is not what you wish for your eleventh birthday. Buried, with the treasure. Yep, just like you said, when we were the ones trapped there. Exactly. Sam said. The kid had plenty of time down there. As we said, probably he had candles. Probably he did really burn his clothes. Maybe he went just blind. He explored all the galleries anyway until he found the exit. And he probably thought that if he only could take with him a little part of the treasure, he could give the gold to his parents. And he could be back home and lived again with them. Just like they used to be. Yeah. Simon sadly said. 
In any case he has no intention to meet the pirates again, and in fact he doesn't. Besides, he can't carry all the gold with him. Too much and too dangerous. So, he has this idea, he leaves the caves and finds another place where to stay. Then he goes back and forward, up and down with the booty, and hides the treasure again. And it makes sense. Then he takes a few pieces of gold, the ones he can carry, and uses them for the trip and for the debts. He just wants to go home. He'll be back soon or later to take away all the rest. He knows how to sail, after all. One day I'll came with the ship he'll command. Simon looks Sammy straight in the eyes. What's in the scroll, Sammy? A part of this history. And something else. But. Tempo. He shook his head, chasing away the hair from his forehead. When Jamie comes out from the cave, he looks for a safe place for the loot. Though, he simply can't help. When he's about to leave, he changes his mind, and looks for revenge. Revenge? Yes, against the pirates, I mean. The ones that trapped him down there. So, he went back and put into the chest we have found the medallion a scroll. To make fun of them. Because he knows that they will came back before he could do. They go back for the gold, and find an empty case. Funny isn't it? It's not. It is. And Jamie was smarter than them. What's in scroll, Sammy? Asked Simon again. Sam stared at him. The information that leads to the treasure, of course. Simon shook his head, a shiver going down to his spine. Impossible. Sammy didn't reply. Impossible, I said. It's not. But, if you're right. I am right. Well, if you're right, the pirates got their gold back. Where's Jamie's revenge? It doesn't look too smart, does it? Oh, it is indeed. Look. Sammy pulled out the scroll from under his teeth. Simon gave it a quick look and knew what he meant. What the? Simon said. Exactly, baby boy. Sammy said. Jamie wasn't stupid at all. Think, you're Captain Dowson, you're fond of the boy and you want him to take your place someday. Then these stupid crew that you have, take the boy with them and leave him trapped with the treasure. I would be quite upset, if I were in your shoes. And so did he. Captain cuts some throats, then sends them back again. To take the treasure and the kid back. Problem is that there's no treasure to take back, and certainly there's no Jamie. The only thing they find is this empty cave and the scroll, they're too stupid to understand. Besides they're in big trouble. Because of the captain. Exactly. Sam said and slid his finger over his neck. More itchy throats to scratch with his blade. Simon shook his head doubtfully. It was a risky thing. He said. Sam shrugged. Was it? Jamie knew that he hadn't too much to lose. He didn't want those men looking for him for the rest of his life. Leaving those directions, they would search for the treasure rather. But they never came back. Why? Because the chest was intact, and the scroll was still there. Probably their ship sank and no one heard from them since. Or they got catch, or they boarded a ship and something went wrong. Yep, who knows? Simon thought over it. Sam's story was great, but it was a made-up, no more than this. Who knew if Sam was right? He changes his position and sat cross-legged. Okay. Jamie flew, hid the treasure and left a clue of the new hiding place. You said it. Sam said. Yes, but where's the treasure? No idea. What? No idea.
You little freak. You came and told me the story of this Jamie's life. You know even how many times in a day he goes to the loo, and then. You have no idea. I don't have a crystal ball, Simon baby. Creepy weirdo. Sam shrugged. Well, that's the way it is. However, I don't think it's too far from here. How can you say that? Going back and forth. With all this gold? Well, think about it. He didn't pass unnoticed. Every person he met could rob him, and how he could defend himself. Jamie shouldn't be very stout. Bet a cabin boy would be rather scrawny on those days. Sam laughed and looked at Simon. Hey, hey, just like you, baby boy. Simon pouted. What did that have to do with it? You're small too. Oh, my, he laughed. Yep, but I'm only seven. Stop it and go ahead. Okay, Sam said, wiping his eyes, laughing with tears. However, I guess he used the first place he found, then he ran away. What you told me, thus, is the gold is still out there and it's also near. Yes, unless Jamie went back. And he probably didn't. What if he someone else found it? I don't think so. I told you. Jamie was smart. No map, no treasure. And we've got the map. Yep. So what? So, you have to decode it. Sam rolled the scroll and put it in Simon's hand. Why me? It's your treasure, baby boy. I don't need it, nor does Emmy. Have you seen what the House of the Flanders look like since they moved? That creepy manner? It won't be that creepy when makeover is over. Is Emmy rich? Plenty of money. But, Simon tried to reply. Thud. A noise from outside their room, like someone coming up from downstairs. Heavy steps. Probably Daddy was home. Get busy. Sam said. I'll be back. You can't go away, just like that. Simon complained. The steps from out of his room came closer. Sam smirked with his more than angelic face. Then he jumped out of the window, just before the handle turned and the door of the room started to open. One more thing, baby boy. Sam said from behind the window. What? I told you Jamie's name was Silver. You did? Now, when he went back, he changed it forever. What? And his new name was Jamie Flander. What? The footstep reached the door. Good luck, baby boy. Sam said, vanishing out of view. Can't leave. Sammy. The door opened and Dad walked in. Simon turned to him. His muscles ached. He couldn't believe that was happening to him. Who are you talking to, Simon? Dad harshly said. Nobody. Simon replied. Fine. Dad said. Simon sighed, dejected, when Daddy closed the door and left him. Alone, with the scroll in his hand. Chapter 19 Simon spent the whole afternoon reading the scroll. He didn't go out, not even for a snack. He didn't want anyone to see him. The parchment showed a series of meaningless characters, and a drawing, that looked more like a doodle rather than a map. At the bottom, there was only one line he could read, as your eyes on the water. Actually, even that made nonsense. Round 6 p.m., Mum came in. Simon hid the map under the pillow, and looked at her with his biggest smile, his eyes wide open, 
embarrassed like never before. I'm your cute little baby, mom, he cried to himself. Mummy stroked his hair up gently, and said nothing. Simon knew that dad had finally told her about the night before, since he would not. And he knew he had disappointed her. But she wouldn't reproach him. She would just look at him in silence, making him feel guilty. But she wouldn't yell. She never did. Besides, I did nothing wrong, he thought, even if this was not what he read in her eyes. I don't want you to be upset because of me, mom. Simon said, after a long silence. I know. But your father is right. There are things you can't do and you must understand when you're wrong. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to make him angry. He came into your room to say goodnight and he found your bed empty, Simon. I think, he's never been so frightened in his life. I wish he never did. Simon said. Mum looked into his eyes and said nothing. Simon realized thus that the problem didn't lie with him. Things were worse than he thought in his family. His flight the night before was just a detail. But Simon thought that he had his reason. He regretted that dad was so worried, but he would do it again. It was the only way he knew to solve their problems. He wouldn't stand still while his family and his whole world fell apart. Kelly probably would, but he wasn't Kelly. He knew he had to do something, he knew that, even if his idea was so crazy that probably it would even work. Come on, baby. Mum said finally. Your friends are here, and I guess they want you downstairs. Who? I've no friends, Mum. Stop talking nonsense, baby. You know them. This cute little girl from Flanders' house, and little Samuel. Simon looked in his mother's face. You're okay, Mom? Yes, baby. Simon realized that she wasn't. They argued again. Because of him, this time. He was a stupid idiot. The more he tried to be of help, the more he hurt someone. Sorry, Mom. He said then. Mom kissed him on the cheek, but he felt no warm in that. Perhaps she just wanted to hide her face from him, because he knew, she was about to cry. And that hurt him more than a slap. It's alright, baby. Now come. Okay. When he came downstairs, he saw Emmy sat on the stool by the piano, while Sam was in the kitchen talking to Kelly. Hello, guys. Simon said, running a hand over her eyes to wipe away the tears. Then he smiled amiably. Hello, kid. Emmy said. Hey, Simon. Said Sam. Kids. Mom said. I go shopping. Please, Kelly, take care of your brother. You know he's grounded. I don't want him to leave this house and that's final. Okay. Giggled Kelly. When dad's back? I guess he'll be late. He went downtown, I guess. Something urgent he had to do. Kids. Simon sat next to Emmy. Stand back. He said softly. Don't push me, brat. Emmy whispered. Stop it. Said Simon again. Kids. Yes, mom? Please. If you are hungry the fridge is there. I won't be late, but you never know. Sammy. Yes, ma'am? Your mom knows you're here? Sammy smiled in his adorable way. Of course, she does. He lied. Fine. You can stay for dinner, but no crisps. You know they make you sick. Of course, you can stay too. Emmy. Said Simon. Yes. Emmy. Kelly, 
I beg you, watch out the boys. Please. Yes, mom. Fine. You're in charge. I go. Please. Okay, mom. Goodbye, ma'am. Bye. When she finally left, Simon exhaled a sigh of relief. Then he leaned back against the piano keyboard. At last. I though she never left. He said. What rude of you. Emmy said. I'm not. You are. What do you kids are up to? Kelly sourly asked. It's none of your business. Simon said. I'm the one in charge, little jerk. Get lost. You're rude. You too, and if you. Sammy. Leave the cat alone. Don't listen to him, Sam. You can play with the cat as much as you like. Indeed, I can. Simon. What? Stop with that noise. Get lost. Sammy. Not her tail. Sam, come. What's going on in your stupid head, brother? No troubles, or mom will kill me. I wish she would. You wish not. Stay there and stay out of trouble, if you can. I cannot. As you wish, jerk. She said. Emmy, wanna see my room? Emmy nodded. Sure. Come. Let's leave the boys alone. So they can be stupid. Simon stuck out his tongue and grinned at his sister. Then he turned and began to play list at the piano. Emmy looked at him amazed. I didn't know you could play. We can write books with the things you do not know, babe. He said, still playing. Come, Emmy. Kelly said. Leave him alone. She waited for Emmy on the stairs, then she started to speak softly. He took lessons since when he was four, but don't let him fool you. It's the only normal thing my brother can do. Emmy giggled happily. Simon is definitely odd. You should see him when he gets up in the morning. Shut up, bimbos cried Simon. He turned his head and saw the girls disappearing upstairs. He grunted something, then started playing again. What have you found? Sammy asked, sitting next to him. Simon shook his head. You spent the whole afternoon in your room, reading the map and you didn't find anything? Absolutely nothing. Kelly is right. You're stupid. What note is this? Be sharp. I am. Well, Leave the piano alone, then, little egghead. Tell me instead what that map said. I guessed, you tell me. Simon stopped playing and looked right at his face. Now, tell me where you found all of that rubbish you told me. It's not rubbish. I made a study on it, said Sam. And most of that is on the parchment. Don't you see? Nonsense. I looked at the map from top to bottom and there is nothing of what you've said. Besides, you can't read a word. Of course you can't. If it were easy, anyone could decrypt it and take the treasure. So, clever one, tell me how you read it. Sam shrugged, then started to press random keys of the piano. Hey, Simon. Do you like the way I play? You suck. Tell me how. Okay, said Sammy. Think about the puzzle. As your eyes on the water, he played Simon. It means nothing. Wrong. Jamie had this small scar, right here, under his right eye. See. You could hardly see, but he knew it well. He saw it every time he reflected his face on the water. On the right, you say? Yes. 
Then he saw it reflected on the left. You're not as stupid as you look, Simon Daner. The map is drawn backwards, then. Exactly. But there's something more. Look at the picture on the back of the medallion. Wait a moment. You told me Jamie changed his surname in Flander when he grew older. Has that something to do with Emmy's house? I told you, you look stupid but you're not. Have you been there? In that house? I did once. Before Emmy's family moved in. Okay. But we have to go there again, spooky and eerie as it looks. But you're not focusing, baby boy. Go back to the medallion. What do you see here? They look like symbols. A to be more precise. What do they mean? I can't get it. Sam nodded. They look like the ones on the map. Each symbol is a letter, just like in those puzzles on the magazines. Change a symbol with a letter and you've got your secret code. And you found the code? It's trivial, said Sam. Trivial? Yes, the first sentence of his, as your eyes on the water, of course. Simon picked up the scroll and carefully studied it. It made sense and Sammy was right. He wondered how the heck the kiddo managed to solve the puzzle. You're right, it works. You decode the rest, then. Of course, I did. And what does the medallion say? Well, I didn't get the meaning, yet. Probably there are some mistakes too. It says, if say Dixie. It's Latin. Or some sort. It means, I told myself, or something like that. It probably means nothing. Simon hazarded. Probably. Emmy went down at that moment. Kelly was still upstairs, looking at her. Simon saw Emmy approaching and stared wary back at her. What are you plotting? Simon, said Emmy, fluttering her eyelashes at him and touching softly his arm with one hand. Would you take me a glass of water, please? I'm so thirsty. But, Simon gulped and flushed. Please. Oh, okay. He got up and began to walk randomly around the room. Hey, champ. His sister called from upstairs. The kitchen is the other side. Yes, of course. Simon said. Sam leaned toward him. Can I have an orange juice? He said. Simon seemed to awaken. Stand up and get it. That was when he realized that everyone was laughing at him. He slipped into the kitchen and slammed the door. Get lost, everybody. He angrily said. Sam threw himself belly down on the carpet and began to laugh with tears. Kelly went down to Emmy and whispered something in her ear. Seen? Boys are stupid. If you know how to ask things, they can do whatever they want. Sam stopped laughing and looked up. He looked like a dog, his ears peeking as he was catching some noise. No one in the room could listen. He waited. Not him. Emmy said softly. What does that have to do with it, Sammy is Sammy. Simon went back from the kitchen with a glass of water in his hand, then flew on the couch and waited in silence for Kelly to go away. Chapter 20 Where's the treasure? Simon asked. The three of them sat on the carpet, biting the pizza they had ordered. Sam was the one who had eaten more, but he looked still hungry. Kelly was upstairs, listening some music. She wouldn't bother at all. Okay, the X marks the spot, we have just to follow the map. We don't know where to start from, though. Emmy said. There was nothing on the scroll about it, uh Sam? Sam shook his head, 
keeping on eating. Hence it could be anywhere, Emmy miserably said. I don't think so. There should be some hint we missed, and the pendant worn the parchment. Simon said. Look, it's not so unclear, once you've understood that it's a map. The lines are paths. The X is the treasure, circles are some kinds of entryways. Just as the map of the tunnels in the medallion. I don't know. Emmy said. It's clear for you, but we still don't know where to start from. And I can't see any hint. Besides, I don't think there's any. But, you know these places better than we do, Simon. Is there anything familiar for you? I don't know, it could be everywhere. The map is upside down, said Sam, his mouth full of pizza. What? The map is upside down. You're right. Simon took a glimpse of him behind the scroll he was holding. But it still tells us nothing. Simon stood up, he couldn't stand still. Electricity ran from his limbs up to the center of his tummy. He couldn't help but going around, restlessly. You're making me nervous. Sam said, his mouth stuffed with food. Simon wondered how the kid could be so skinny. Maybe because the brat was always all over the place. He opened the mouth to say something, but then he didn't. He came back to the piano instead, and start a softer tune. As the notes flew in the air, Simon could feel Emmy's eyes on his back. His fingers were fluid, hitting softly the keys like they were alive. His bare feet moved on the pedals gripping the music and releasing it like candlelight. His hair hung on his brow, while the scent of dried flour came from Mum's diorama, next to the couch. Simon went along, until he lifted his eyes to see Emmy's stare fixed on his. He didn't stop playing, though, not even when little Sam crouched close to him. He could scent the little boy's smell, now, mixed with the one from the potpourri. You can use some rest, kiddo. Simon said, his hand still on the keyboard. Sam said nothing. And you can use a shower too. Simon added, although the little kid's odor didn't bother him. On the contrary, the fine whiff of earth, wooden moss that came from his ruffled hair and skin felt reassuring to him. Because Sam didn't move, Simon stroked the final chords of his performance and let the silence hover above them. You said Flander. He then said. That's what I said. Me and the Flanders kid have never been close, even if they lived next door. But you did, don't you? Sam nodded. Everyone knew him in the lake, although no one really knew him. Sam used to come around, just because Mum was very fond of him, like everyone. He just came in uninvited and he flew away in the same fashion. Simon enjoyed having him over, but it was so sporadic that he could hardly call Sam a friend. What's in Flanders' house, Sam? Some chess, old trunks, books mainly. Emmy shook her head. There's nothing like that. If there was, they took it all with them. The house was empty when we moved in. You haven't checked the garret yet, haven't you? Sam replied. Emmy shook her head again. A talkative look exchanged between her and Sam. Go. They both said at the same time. No way. Simon exclaimed, suddenly aware of the implications. I come with you. I won't let you go without me. You're grounded. Shut up, dumb. Emmy's right. If you come with us and your parents notice, you'll be in deep trouble. I'm already in trouble. They can't fry you twice, isn't that what people used to say? That's stupid. You're stupid. I just wanted you out of trouble. You're not my mom. And I came. 
That's final. Emmy shrugged. Whatever. Sam looked at the two of them, smiling. What? Emmy asked. You quarreling like an old married couple. Emmy got the closest book and threw it in Sam's direction. The kid ducked, slipped to the ground on his belly, then laughed as loud as he could. Simon joined and chuckled with him. Emmy stood still, then joined the boys in their fun. Wait. Simon stood up all of a sudden and ran upstairs and crashed into Kelly's bedroom. What are you doing here? Kelly shouted. Don't you know you have to knock before entering a room? Where are your field glasses? He cut short. In the closet. Why? Simon opened the closet and messed up all her clothes. Finally, he found a small box sealed with a thick rubber band. What do you think you're doing, idiot? Simon paid no attention and went to the window. Then he pointed his glasses toward the lake and followed its layout up to the point where the stream fell into the gorge. Then moved the glasses back, up to the Flanders. Thank you, sis. He said then, running down again. Simon Daner. Kelly shouted, following him down the stairs. What do you think you're doing? Kelly saw him putting his shoes on, and opening the door to go out. Come with me. Go. He shouted to the others. Simon. Kelly yelled. If you leave now, Dad won't let me out for the rest of my life. See you soon, buddy. Simon said without listening, then sent her a kiss, went out and closed the door. Simon. Kelly hysterically screamed. I love you, sis. She heard from behind the closed door. Kelly collapsed on the floor, kneeling, drained out of energy. She was trembling in despair. Why couldn't she have a little sister? Chapter 21 Even in plain daylight, the house looked as the abandoned fortress of a ghostly manor. No much improvement had changed since the time it has been built, some two centuries before. The last owner, the Flanders had gone without saying a word. The youngest of the family had attended the local school, and the oldest was in the same class as Simon. They were good people and liked to have people over, but children had shunned the place and no birthday parties were ever been held in those halls. From the lake, the wood around it hided the house from sight, so that no one of the kids that used to bath nearby paid any attention when the estate was finally sold and someone new had moved in. However, older children dare each other to walk its yards, after the sunset, imaging entering inside to discover hidden secrets and scary memories. Simon knew those were all legend. Yet, no one he knew had ever been inside the house since the Flanders. This, until Emmy showed around. Do you really sleep inside there? He asked Emmy as soon as they reached the porch that stood under the window of his bedroom. The same he hid with pebbles just a couple of days before. You know I do, Simon. And your legends from the lake. Those are only bedtime stories for frightened children. Still, you didn't dare entering that space under the roof, or the cellar. Emmy rolled her eyes. You're a curious guy, Simon Daner. Simon said nothing. He knew he had already been through something worse than that. Old superstitions were what the lake thrived on. But, let's go, baby boy. Sam cheerfully said. Guess we can have some more lemonade and hopeful some chocolate cake, if Emmy's mum is still around. Once inside, yet, they found that the house was empty. That was not surprised as Emmy had already told them that her dad and mum were in town for some supplies. 
but the endless stairs in the void entry that led it to the upper floor resembled Simon one of those gothic illustrations he amused himself with, when he read his comics before going to bed. You've got guts, baby boy. Sam said as Simon moved to the first step. And you're still wearing those filthy clothes from tonight adventure. Sam, again said nothing. Simon waited, but as soon as he realized that no more words were coming from his brainy friend, he moved on and found his way up to the last flight of stairs. There stood the trapdoor to the garret. He jumped, as to reach the handle, but he was too short and he didn't manage. Emmy managed to find the iron his dad had tried the day before to grab the ladder, before giving up because of the key, too rusty to be used to unlock the entry. We didn't go upstairs yet, she explained. But dad cleaned and oiled the key. It should be okay, and it was. The ladder came down easily, and the lock clicked just as simply. Then the three of them were there, below the roof, wrapped by the dusty glow that passes through the timbers and the skylights. Sam entered the room, heading straight to the center left, where some trunks laid covered by a dusty duvet. How come you seem to know your way around? Simon said. Sam shrugged. You've been there, before, haven't you? Added Simon. Do you think you're the only one in the lake who's after the treasure? Baby boy. The scent coming from the book was a paper in bold. The ink was already fading and most of the letters were illegible in any case. The first trunk had nothing more than old clothes and moths. There were some boxes with old toys and knickknacks. No one cared to cover those or to protect them with oilskin. It looked as someone had put them there without care, like trying to spend in that attic less time possible. The real deal, however, was in the back of the room, where the roof almost touched the wooden floor. The caskets were made with timbers mainly rotten by the damp. The parchments inside looked okay instead. Most of them looked like accounts with records that went back to more than a century before. The diary was in the bottom of the pile. A book with leather binding and yellow pages. The papers were a collection of handwritten entries and printed memories. In the back of the book, they could see an engraved illustration of a boy, maybe twelve or thirteen. You have already read this stuff, haven't you? Simon asked. I happened to sneak in once or twice. But that was before you encountered the entry to the underground tunnels below the boathouse. Emmy sat close to the boys and listened carefully. She didn't belong to the lake. For her, this was only their new house that Dad had bargained a couple of months before. Their pied out terre as Mum liked to call it, meaning the place where they could always come back once Dad's traveling around the world was over. So what? Simon was asking again. So, now some of the stuff I read makes more sense. Stuff like what? Sam took the medallion, and the parchment they had found in the chest inside the cave. Consider the map again. I did. Upside down or downside up. It still tells nothing. Nonsense, baby boy. Think, what Jamie wrote? As your eyes on the water. What do you your eyes see on the water? I, they don't. I close my eyes if I dive down the water. Yep, and Jamie too. Why? Because Jamie had this scar. And scars sometimes hurt. Emmy said, pointing the picture in the diary. What do you know about scars? I told you we lived on a ship. They used to mark you like a goat, once on board? Stupid boy, they don't. But Dad loved the sea, and he do love to fish. I can't get your point. Because you're stupid. I'm not. You are, and that's final. Anyway, once we were fishing, 
and this guy next to us cast his line. I was too close, I guess, and he hit me, I mean, the hook at me, here just below this eye. No, here, stupid boy. Can't you see the scar? Anyway, few millimeters more, you were talking with a blind beauty. You're not beautiful, right? But every time I see your face, I wish I were blind. You're ugly as a day of school after a Friday night, Simon. What the? Anyway, I had this little scar, you can still see it if you came closer. Not so close, stupid. Well, every time I dive into the water now it hurts and I must close the eyes. Or at least I had to. Now it's almost gone. Don't hurt anymore. Sam nodded. It makes sense. What? He said it makes sense. Grunted Simon. You mean that I'm right? How can you be right? Simon said. The little freak's joking. It's making fun of you, can't you see? Are you, Sammy? I'm not. You're right, but we have a problem. If you want to read this map, you have to look at it as if it were in front of a mirror. You have to think backwards. You mean the eyes? The eyes must be open? See with your eyes wide open? Maybe. No, Sam. Simon said, standing up. His eyes sparkling. It doesn't make sense. I mean, maybe I'm just guessing, but if Jamie had to leave his treasure behind, he wanted someone he liked to find it. Someone that could think as he did, and feel what he felt. Say, someone that loved him. Someone that deserved his treasure. With your eyes closed. Think it backwards. It means you had to look inside yourself. But that's mean? Emmy asked confused. Sam closed his eyes and said nothing. Go ahead. Then he said. Why do we want the treasure? Jamie did, because he wanted that everything could be like before. I know, I can understand. There was a time I asked the same question to myself. And I was just like Jamie, then. Sam opened his eyes. Yes. Only those who really knew Jamie could know that with that he couldn't see so well. But that's not the point, right? Probably the only time in his life that Jamie really looked inside himself, was inside the cave. I mean, I did it. And you do it as well, if you were alone, dark all around you, hopeless, and with plenty of time to reflect. And when he got finally out, he opened his eyes, and saw the world in a different way. As through a mirror. Emmy said. The starting point is the exit of the cave, said Simon. You're figuring out. I am. But I'm right. And that was true. Because deep inside he was just like Jamie. He didn't want the gold. Who cared? He just wanted ma'am and dad hugging thigh, and play Monopoly and go all together to the fair. He wanted Kelly to love him, and he to tease her. Just the way it used to be. It's the most obvious place, indeed but sometimes you have to show things if you want to hide them. Besides, you have to think just like Jamie if you want to understand what went on. Sam nodded. It seemed much bigger and older than usual now. You've seen with his eyes, Simon, because the Force is with you. I'm not a Jedi. You are, Emmy said. Same face and same size as Yoda. Look who's talking. You are on one soul. Sam continued, paying no attention to what the other were saying. Me and that stupid girl. You and Jamie. Sam said. Emmy bent over him, then hugged him tightly. And when Sam rolled his eyes toward her, he was the cute little kid he used to be. In the evening light, 
The shadows of the trees were scrawny ghosts that extended their limbs to the valley. From the narrow windows that framed the garret like a horizontal wound Simon could see the full shape of the lake. At the distance, the river that poured its water below ran as a silver ribbon up to the hills. The woods dotted the landscape all around. Far, behind the first branch of the lake, he could spot the outline of the town, even if most of the houses were scattered around. Days in early summer were so long that there would be plenty of light. Enough for the three of them to take a ride to the spot marked with the X in their map. Lines though were confused, and even for someone from the lake finding a way around was a challenge. This is how it was meant to be, uh, Jamie? Simon thought. Sam came close to him. He could feel the warmth of the tiny body pressed against his. He considered saying something, but he didn't. See, I reckon it's here, said Simon instead. Sam nodded. He knew he was right. The little boy followed the lines carved on the bronze with the top of his finger, without looking. His eyes were following the imaginary paths that ran like those lines marked on the scroll. What you boys are looking for? Emmy asked. There's this waterfall, Emmy, Simon replied. I mean, not a Niagara Fall, but... Anyway, there must be a shelter or something. That's the place we have to go. Sam nodded. I know how to get there. Chapter 22 Simon jumped on his bike, carrying Emmy. Sam should have his hidden somewhere, because he vanished at the same time they went out. They had plenty of time before dark, but Simon hoped with all his heart to smooth things over, before Mum or Dad were back. I don't know if the gold is really there, he said to Emmy. His voice was lost in the wind. But things will be different in any case. How can you say that? Simon felt Emmy's embrace around his waist, and sensed sizzles running over his skin. Because that's how things go, Emmy. They ran at breakneck speed across the slope, up to the lake, then Simon braked with a slide, skipping just near the wooden house. They saw old Jonathan with his dog, but they didn't stop to greet him. Simon tilted to the right, instead, following the shore and avoiding the rocks that blocked his way. He pedaled all out, reached the end of the slope, then glided on his rear gear, and suddenly stopped. In front of him the river sprang out from the mountain. They were at least three miles away from home now. Why are you so eager to find the treasure, Simon? Because I don't have much time left. Mum and Dad will quarrel again, once home. Because of you, this time, Simon. Probably. But that's not the point. My family is torn, and there's no way out. I can't stand. I can't live this way, not even one day more. Hope that the treasure is really what you are looking for, then. Emmy said. It was a nice thing to say. Simon nodded. Come. Hold on tight. Things get tougher now. Emmy leaned against Simon, squeezing his waist. He felt her chest on his back as the bike swung downhill. He jolted and she held him tighter, while the ground became steep and rugged. Simon thrust on a pedal, then checked the handlebars, more unstable now as they took speed. You all right? shouted Simon. Never been better. Emmy replied. Walls of rock ran alongside as they went down. Slipping there meant getting badly hurt. Yet, as the ground went mossy, and they went through the first row of trees, nothing in the world could appear more wondrous. The bike started. Simon steered and took again control. Emmy clutched him even tighter. They could fall at any time, 
but Simon didn't break, letting his bike ran even faster. In a short while things around them lost their shapes. Everything was a mix of colors against their eyes. Simon shook, then grabbed the brakes. He kept the balance, then overcame with a leap a step of stone. Still hundred yards before the fall, eighty, seventy, fifty, twenty. A cold wind of a wild ride. Ten. Slamming. As a blizzard. Five. On his face. He couldn't see. Four yards. He screamed. Three yards. He put the bike sideways. Two yards. He pressed the brakes with all his strengths. One yard. Ah. Emmy shouted. Simon reached out a foot. The bike skidded and fell. They stopped. An inch away from the cliff that crashed ten yards below them. I, I hate you, Simon Daner. Simon laughed with all he had, his heart beating against his chest. The pace hit his lung with extraordinary violence. The air was now impossible to breathe. He felt the blood throbbing against his wrists and against his temples. For the world is mine, and the fullness thereof. He shouted happily. He thought he had never felt better in his whole life. Emmy stood up. Her clothes wrinkled and her hair ruffled. She was in a huff. She would probably beat him up. Simon bent his head and laughed louder still. I swear I'll make you pay for this. You're completely crazy. You ought to see you. Do not you ever dare to show your face, Simon Daner. I don't want to see you any more in my life. Simon stood up and shook off the dust in the grass. His tee was completely torn. Even his shorts had a tear on its side. What did hurt were the scratches on his leg and on his arm. But Simon didn't care at all. Come on, Emmy. We don't have all day. I do. She sourly said. I got caught not. I'm not grounded. Come on, move. Stop arguing. We need to get out and see what's under the fall. Where's Sammy? Simon looked around. He didn't know. I don't know. But, he's the one with the map and all the rest. Don't worry. I'll be around when we'll need him again. As you wish. The kids leave the bike and started to move down. There wasn't a path. They walked on the wet rocks, slippery because of the splashes from the waterfall and because of the moss. They had to help themselves with their hands. The slope this time seemed bottomless. Everything okay? asked Simon. He went down first, looking for the better way. He already tried to reach the bottom before. It was with his best friend Kenny, before he left. They went there for fishing, but they never made up to the shore because Kenny quitted at least. From the point they were now, in fact, it was getting too steep, and the only way to reach the end was to jump and dive into the pond, that laid in front of the waterfall. The drop should be four or five yards high but there were rocks cropping out the water and the roar from the waterfall didn't make things easier. It seemed extremely dangerous, indeed. And it was. Simon turned to Emmy, who was trying to put her sneaker on the last foothold, a very small and slippery one. Emmy hesitated, then she managed to overcome that point and stopped next to Simon. Why did you stop? He asked. You jump, said Simon. You're crazy. There's no other way. It's not that high, after all. Just be careful. See the puddle? We jump there, right in the middle. Water is deep enough there and it won't hurt. You did it before? Never. I won't jump, stupid boy. You have to. 
It's not dangerous and I need your help. Why did not you bring a rope if you knew we have to go down here? Simon thought about it. She was right, but they hadn't enough time to go back. You can ask John. No way. Jump. No. Jump. Go, then. Kill yourself, I'm fine with that. But me. I don't come, no way. Be my guest. He said. Then he took off his tea and tossed it down on a bank, where it was dry. Then he dove, splashing himself right in the center of the pond. Emmy cried out hysterically, Simon. She thought he didn't have it in her to jump. Damn you. Simon, where are you? Simon emerged a couple of seconds later. To Emmy the moment seemed like a millennium. He was smiling. The stupid brat had also enjoyed his bravado. Are you completely nuts? Shut up and jump. She looked at him. The boy was splashing his way around, swimming to the closest bank. He looked okay and happy. Emmy. Jump. I don't. She shut herself up, as she were reconsidering the situation. I won't. But if I'll do, how do we go back? Sammy will settle that. Emmy couldn't believe she was still listening him. There was not a chance in a million that she was going to join the kid down there. She wasn't crazy, was she? Emmy. No way. She shouted again. Yet. Was she about to jump down there instead? Really? Seriously? She took a deep breath and tied her hair. She cried so loud that birds flew away from the nearby nest. I hate Simon Daner. She shouted, as she started running toward the edge. Then she simply jumped, her feet down, her body a lean torpedo. She hit the water, and went down, easy as a bird of prey diving among the whales. Everything around her become blue, then cold, then brown and green again. She touched the bottom gently with her feet, and she pushed hard longing to emerge. And she did, splashing in the water, just close to where Simon was. Shouting at her, now, worried or simply glad. She fell down again, heavily, in an array of sketches. She stayed underwater long enough to feel her breath going away, then she emerged, floundering frantically. Simon laughed, then swam up to her and grabbed her firmly. I'm out of my depths here. Emmy complained. You have to. Your head would split if you landed in low waters. Shut your mouth and take me to the shore. But, you're the one who grown up on the sea, weren't you? Stop it. Simon. I'm already mad at you. Get me out of here. Simon shut up and helped her out of the water. As soon as they reached the shore, she rashed forward. Is everything all right? Asked Simon. Yes. Of course, stupid boy. It was fun. Wasn't it? Not at all. And you're an idiot. Simon didn't care. He picked up his tea and slipped it on. What do we do now? Do we wait for Sammy? Yes, I mean, no. Wait. Simon leaned forward. It was obvious, almost predictable. He already saw that, in some stupid TV show. I could not believe it was so expected. Remember the clue? He asked Emmy. Sure. As your eyes on the water. Simon said. Look. Through the waterfall. What do you see? Through the water, you mean. You're smarter than you look, Simon Daner. I am, indeed. We don't need the map. It's behind the waterfall. Let's go. Emmy nodded. Simon was not so stupid after all. 
They walked along the shore, up to the point where the waterfall was. There wasn't a proper pathway, just a ledge of stone. But if you looked closer, beyond the wall of water, you could see as a kind of cavern eroded in the rock. Simon bent a bit. It didn't look like those caves in the picture books his mum used to read at him as a baby, but rather a crack in the stone, that was partially covered by the wall of water, no matter how modest it was, and the vegetations that had thrived on the damp of the waterfall. There's really a passageway, Emmy. If we jump from here, maybe we won't get wet. Enough of jumping for today, stupid boy. Besides, we're already soaking wet. Simon turned at her. Well, however it's difficult to reach there. Behind that crack I can see a cavern, with a ledge overcoming a small fall. If we run well, perhaps we can reach it. And break our head. Not a big loss, by the way. Speak for yourself. I do. We can jump anyway. If we miss the platform, we'll fall into the pond again. Not a big deal, anyway. What if I fall in the water? Where's the problem? Just swim to the shore and try again. Where's the problem? She mocked. Okay, you jump first. Emmy stared at him puzzled. Why me? I jumped first before. That's fair enough. No, not at all. Phew. You're born. Simon took a run, jumped in the air and landed on the ledge, beyond the fall, just where the crack opened. He turned, then and saw that Emmy was after him. Not bad for a girl. Simon said, as she landed. The squeeze into the crack, and being the two so slender did help. Again, a place only kids could enter. They struggled a bit with the last few inches, then they were in. A cave, with enough natural light that came from the fractures in the rocks to allow them to figure out where they were. Hey. The two of them looked up at once, stunned. Sam was sitting on a sharp rock, cross-legged in front of them. He was wet, his hair stuck on his forehead. At last. He said. It took you a heck of time. Simon blinked several times. How do you get here? I took a shortcut. Yes, but, Simon was sure he knew the valley better than anyone else. It was simply not possible. He shook his head. Have you found the treasure? Emmy said. No, but we have time later to worry about that. Simon and Emmy turned together. There was Jack Zarbon behind them, with two of his crazy friends. They were soaked too, and with these wooden sticks in their hands. And they weren't there to talk about the weather. Of course. Bags of hammer can easily pass those rocks. Right, kid. It's time to smooth things over, indeed. I make you pay, Daner. I'll beat you and it'll hurt. It'll hurt a lot. You have no idea. Chapter 23 Simon didn't think it was possible to get out of there unharmed. Emmy stood next to him. She trembled, but not because of being drenched. Sam, behind them, quaked his head to shake the water off his hair. It's time to smooth things over, Daner. And it'll hurt. You have no idea, Jack said. He was ugly and brute, with these sunken eyes of him and his prominent forehead. His hair was a dark and formless mass glued to his head. Simon didn't know the others or at least he didn't know their names. Quiet, Jackie. Simon said. I have nothing with you. I don't like being called like that. Whatever. But leave us alone. Jack slammed his cane on the ground. 
He was furious. What do you want from Simon? asked Emmy terrified. He did nothing. And neither did we. Shut up, girl. I don't know you. Don't speak if you're not spoken to. Come on, Jack, said one of the boys who were with him, bored. His voice was covered by the noise of the waterfall behind him. They're just kids. Who cares? Let's go to Joe's to use his pool. Shut up, you two. Jack picked up the cane and slammed violently against the rocks. What I have that you possibly want from me, Jackie? asked Simon. Your perfect tooth doctored teeth. Gonna break them, one by one. To your girlfriend too, if she butt in. He's not my boyfriend, Emmy said. Jack turned toward her. I guess I said, don't speak if you're not spoken to. Emmy stepped back. Simon moved instinctively forward as to shield her. Come on Jack, I'm bored, said one of the two guys behind him again. Jack yelled something and glared at him. Sam, crouched against the wall, pulled out a small bag of crisps and started eating. Simon turned backwards towards him. Sammy boy. Sam shrugged. Okay. Simon said. I've got nothing with you, but if you want to fight, it's fine with me. Let's sort it out once and for all. Shut up, bug. Answered Jack with a roar. I speak, you answer. Why? I'd smash your cute little vanity fair face, otherwise. Okay. Simon said. I mean. I'll do it in any case. Okay. Simon said again. He was trying to keep control. Because of Emmy, he guessed. What were you doing in the shed? Simon smiled. Funny. I was about to ask you the same question. Jack slammed his cane against the wall, breaking it this time. You didn't get the point, I guess. He screamed. I ask, you say. What the heck were you doing in that place at night with freaky little Hans here and beauty Mrs. Gretel? Just playing, Jackie. Pretending. You know about pirates, you're from the lake as well. It's summer, some kids like going around and having fun. Pretending? Are we pirates, Jack? You're not. Of course we're not. Liar. I saw you. You were plotting something. You and that flea, sitting there. Sam slipped his hand inside his bag of chips. He realized it was empty and overturned it, trying to bring down the last crumbs in his mouth. Whatever you want, Jackie, but that's how the things are. Simon said. Stop calling me like that. Jack yelled. He moved forward, and he snatched a stick from one of his mate's hand. Okay, okay. Calm down, sport. Emmy said. Little beauty speaks as well. Leave her alone shouted Simon. What were you doing in those tunnels? Nothing, cried Emmy. You tried to kill us, instead. If Sammy didn't find the exit, we would still be there, where nobody would find us. Is it true, Flea? Sam threw the bag on the floor and wiped his hands. Simon took a step forward, his fists along his body, a sharp fierce look in his face. You've got to go, Jackie, he shouted. I don't want you here. Nobody likes you, not even those jerks there. You're always looking for something stupid to do, and for someone to torture. You are sick, get some drugs, bonkers. Simon didn't finish the sentence. Jack raised his stick and hit him with all his strength. Emmy stifled a cry in despair. Simon, however, did not fall. 
He held his shoulder and stepped forward, barely standing. It hurt, and we could see it in Simon's face, but he wouldn't give way. What the heck were you doing? Sam jumped from his seat and landed on his feet. Then he wiped his face with his wet t-shirt. Hey, Jack. He said. Look, your shoe is unlaced. Jack lowered his eyes instinctively. Simon seized the moment and flung on Jack, hitting him in his stomach. Jack stepped back in surprise. Simon was about to snatch the cane from Jack's hand, but Jack dodged him and hit against Simon on its flank. Simon tried to absorb the shock, but it was too violent this time. Before he could say A he found himself on the ground, almost unconscious, in pain, unable to move a limb. Jack came over him, as if to strike him in the head. He raised his stick and was about to attack Simon, when Emmy came forward. Leave him. She cried. Leave him or I'll make you pay for this. No, Emmy. Cried Simon. A dense strong pain struck him, poured from the hip in his full body. What the? Jack tried to say. Emmy bent her legs, closed her fists and made the kick. Before Jack could turn on her, Emmy hit him in the face. Her eyes sparkled, but were unmoved. I'll catch you. Jack yelled. And you would. Emmy stepped back. Jack laughed. Simon from the ground reached his foot and closed his hand on it, then pulled. Damn. Jack shouted as he fell backwards with his legs in the air. Leave her alone. Simon said in a faint voice. Don't even try to touch her. Or try, and I'll beat you so hard, the only thing you could eat from now on will be soup. Small brat. Jack hissed struggling to get up. Hey, Jack. One of the boys said again. I'm bored. Yes, stop messing around with these kids. Jack turned toward them. What? Where are you going? What do you think you do? We go downtown, Jack. You find us there. Yes, let's go. The two boys came out trying to avoid water. The roar of the waterfall covered part of what they said. What an idiot spending time with children. Yep. Big guys going on little girls make me sick. Idiot. Sam stepped forward and stood next to Emmy. Jack looked around and saw Simon folded next to him. He was clearly in pain, but he would recover soon. Jack instead had a broken finger. Because of the fall, when the little brat pushed him before. And it hurt a lot. You haven't heard the last of this. He said, getting up, his finger pressed under one arm. Go away. Emmy said. You're done, kids. He cried. Then he turned toward the way out and ran away. Hey, wait guys. Come on. I love these snotty brats. Was just joking. Hey, wait, guys. Jack disappeared into the water leaving them alone. Simon stood up, still keeping a hand on his flank. He lifted his shirt and saw that an ugly bruise was spreading from the hip to the first rib. Does it hurt? Emmy asked. Sure, Simon said. He stared at Sam. Hey, Sam. Thanks for your help. You're welcome, he said. Then he turned back, picked up the bag of chips and tossed it to Simon. Better not mess. Keep it in your pocket. Hey, you keep it. And I was trying to be sarcastic. Sam blinked. Sark. What? Nice try, baby boy. Let's go now before it's sunset. I mean it, kid. You could help. They were hearing you up there, eating junk. We're not at the movies, 
those were beating us for real. Why? Why? They did beat us. Sam smiled. You got away with it, don't you? Simon waved his hand in the air as to give up. Then he turned to Emmy. You're all right? You'd really break his teeth if he hit me? Simon blushed as he never had done before. What are you talking about? It was just to scare him. Emmy leaned on him and gave him a kiss on his cheek. Then she laughed and ran away, toward Sam. Simon felt like fainting. Worse, he guesses he would die with shame. He cast his eyes on the ground and expect the world around him to stop spinning around, then shook his head and followed the others inside the cave. Behind them the sun was beating hard against the waterfall. Filtered by the water, the setting sun casted shadows on the rocks, making the place around them unreal. A niche opened before them. Hidden in the shade and wrapped in a cloth, there was a box. Honestly, indeed, it didn't look very heavy. Chapter 24 Simon picked up the box, wrapped in a dirty and moldy cloth. In fact, it looked hundreds of years old. He put it gently on the ground, then he put the box on top of it. What's in here? He asked. Open it. Emmy said. Sammy looked carefully without speaking. Simon opened the box. The noise of the waterfall seemed to get louder. The sun was low and the light now pointed straight into the cave. Just to the spot where they stopped. What's that? Emmy asked. I don't know. Simon said. Emmy slipped his hand into the box and pulled out a wooden carved object that looked like the head of a child. It had no eyes, though. Two small metal balls were stuck in its socket. The mouth was cut below a jut that was supposed to be the nose. The head was fixed in a sort of wooden cup, on which the name Jamie was engraved. What are we supposed to do with this? I don't know, Emmy said. But it doesn't look like your breathtaking treasure. Perhaps it's another clue, Simon suggested. What if we fill the cup with water? Why? I don't know, but it might help. Maybe. Maybe it's just another stupid idea. Sam stepped forward. Probably not, he said. Why? Simon asked. Once again, as your eyes on the water. Let's try to put the balls in the cup filled with water. Maybe they'll float. Simon smiled. Sammy, you're a genius. I know. Emmy picked the cup and went to the waterfall to fill it up. Then came back and put the cup on the floor. Come on, she said. Make my day. If I'd, Simon started saying. Sam handed him a pocket knife, before he could finish. Perfect, Emmy said. Simon slipped the tip of the blade in one of the eyes, then he levered with the knife and the ball went off easily, falling on the ground. Simon took it and put it into the water. Incredibly Sam he was right, the eye began to float. The kids bent on the cup. The ball started to spin until it stopped pointing the pupil engraved in the metal towards a precise direction. It points there, Emmy said. Let's put the other one. Simon pulled the second eye out and put it into the water. It pointed the same direction. They indicate the same point, Sammy said. It's a compass, right? Simon said. Yes, the balls are moving in according to the Earth's magnetic field. According to what? Emmy asked. The earth is just like a big magnet. Simon explained. You know this experiment we do at school, when we put iron filings on a table, 
Then we put a magnet on it? Yep. We did something like that when I was in third grade. Well, those lines of filing form are the magnetic field. The Earth has something like that, and if you use a magnetic needle, or a magnetic object free to rotate, as these balls in the water, it align itself according to a specific direction. That sounds quite clever. It is, indeed. Sam said. Look. The ball rotated according to the magnetic field. The pupils are pointing a precise spot. Which means. The treasure is in the spot they mark. Emmy said, glancing in the direction of sight. But. There's nothing in there, just rocks. Sammy shook his head. That's because the cup should be placed at a particular point of the cave, otherwise it can't be accurate. You're right, but where? The kids sat down and stared at each other. They could poke against any wall in the cave, but probably nothing would happen. The outline of the room was too big and too complicated, with hundreds of niches and corners that opened all around the perimeter of the cave. Plus, a number of tunnels seemed to depart in every direction, making the exploration almost impossible, without a proper training. What did the medallion say? Simon asked. Something like I told myself. If I remember rightly. Emmy said. Yep. In a mock Latin, said Sam. Jamie was not any idiot. Trying to the mouth. I mean, that groove. Simon narrowed his eyes. Why? Because the carvings stand for Jamie's head. See. It's also here, engraved on the cup. It is he the one the engraving stands for. Simon stuck doubtfully the tip of the finger into the slot. To his surprise he found something inside. There's something. He said. Take it out. Simon used the tip of the knife and pulled a very flat piece of wood that was wedged into the slot. The boy stared at it intently. On it a figure was engraved, an eight-pointed star. The compass rose. Simon exclaimed. Yep. What does it mean? Sam stood up and ran to the center of the cave. Then he glanced around. He bent down, kneeling. His eyes closed in narrow fissures. What? Simon said. Sam raised an arm. Shh. It is carved on the floor, right Sam? Emmy said. Sam nodded. I've seen something before. On the edges. Help me, look around there. Simon and Emmy nodded, then rushed around with their eyes on the ground. There's a star. Simon exclaimed suddenly. Here as well. I found one. Emmy said. How many points do they have? Asked Sammy. Mine has five. Said Simon. Mine six. Emmy said. Keep on looking. Emmy, look there, at your back. There's another I guess. Emmy ran in the direction Sam told her, then stopped and began to count. One, two, three. No, it's seven. There is it. Cried Simon. It was on the side, in a corner out of sight near the entrance, behind the crack that led it to the waterfall. Sam ran toward him. This is it. He said. Where's the cup? I've got it. Emmy said. Simon took it with both hands, being careful not to spill the water inside, then rested the base just above the eight-point star engraved on the floor. The spheres spun again and stopped. The two pupils pointed at the wall in the same direction. Here. Simon yelled. The three kids got up and went to check the rock in the spot the eyes had pointed. Simon prepared himself for a new disappointment, because nothing seemed to be in that place. 
Then, as they approached, he realized that, well shaded, a tiny crack opened in the rock. It looks like a break in the wall like dozens you can spot around here, Emmy said, shaking her head. Yes, but I guess something is hidden in there. Simon tried to slide into it and he realized that he could pass through, squashing a bit. He got properly scratched on his arms and legs, and tore up his tee, but one more or one less couldn't make any difference by now. Hey. He said as soon as he passed. It's amazing. There's a secret hall behind the fracture. Pass me a torch. Sam handed him the little lamp he was carrying. Not as bright as the one they used the day before, but bright enough to see where to step and not to stumble. Come. Simon said. Emmy crept in first, with some difficulty. Sam passed rather easily. Wow. Sam exclaimed. From outside, in the dark, it looked only a tiny crack. It was a door instead. Yep. Sammy boy. Any chance you've got also matches in your bottomless pouch? Emmy asked. From the wall, some torches stuck out their grips. Sam stuffed his hand in a pocket and pulled out a box wrapped in plastic. If the water didn't spoil them. He said. Emmy opened the box and took out some storm matches. She tried a few before finding one not too wet, that lit with a big blaze. When all the torches were on, the room appeared much bigger than they had imagined. Look. Sam yelled. There was a chasm in the center, which could not be overcome, not even with a jump. At its sides there were two bridges, one made of wood and the other one of rope. At the beck, a ledge of rock on the top of which stood a small trunk. Smaller indeed than the one they found in the tunnels below the shed. This is it? asked Simon. Yes, said Emmy. This must be it. Are we rich, then? Simon asked. Sam moved to the wooden bridge, the one on the right. No. Stop. Simon shouted suddenly. Sam turned to him, just when he was about to put one foot on the bridge. Simon flung and caught him by his waist, dragging him back and dropping with him to the ground. Simon. Sam just said. It can't be the one, though it seems the easiest. He kept Sam tight in his embrace, trembling. Why? Sam asked. He could feel the beat of Simon's heart, pounding in his chest. Simon hugged him tighter. Because that would fall, kiddo. And it would drag you down in the chasm. Sam got free of Simon's grip and stood up. Then he leaned toward the hole and screwed up his eyes. Even with the torchlight on he couldn't see the bottom. The bridges. Jamie put them. Simon explained. He looked still pale and kept on shaking. How? Emmy asked. Simon turned to her. He had time. Plenty of time. Sam continued to watch curiously the chasm. A nice flight. He said. His last test. He couldn't entrust the treasure to anyone. The gold is for those clever enough to feel what a ten years old kid must have gone through to get away with his life and build his fortune. You said it, Sam. Jamie would never leave the treasure to whoever. He probably used what he needed, because pirates' treasure were not just silver and pieces of gold. There were the tears of those who get assaulted and the blood paid by those who try to get it. Hence, he would leave it only to someone who could understand his feelings and those of the ones that fought for it. And you can, don't you? Sam said. Simon nodded. It was when he realized that a tear was about to fall from his eye. He didn't try to stop it. Emmy leaned against him. I know how Jamie felt like. He was alone, 
away from home, scared. He had lost everything he loved, but he had with him the only thing that would settle all that. I mean, if he came back with the gold, he thought his parents would love him again, and everything would be as before. Only, he knew it was just an illusion, right? Sam said. He did. As the wooden bridge. Well, it looks stronger, able to carry your weight. But it just rests on the rift, without nails or something to support it. The rope bridge. Oh, well. It took its time. To set it with care, twist the strings, prepare its knots. To make it stronger. Able to carry the weight. Simon got up and walked to the wooden bridge, then he touched it with a kick. The axes of which it was made, poorly fitted as they were, slid downwards from the rock they rested on, crashing against the bottom in a deafening noise. The kids reached the bridge made of ropes. They stopped there for a while, then began to walk on it. They proceed with difficulty, swaying in the air, risking to fall at every step. The rope bridge is too hard and long to cross. But just because you have to be careful at every step, it won't let you down. If his family had accepted him back, it would be because everything was settled. For real, not just because they look solid and secure. Because of the gold, I mean. Emmy nodded. They finally understood, if Jamie had brought the treasure at home, things would be fine for a while. But sooner or later all their problems would be back. Simon turned to them. He looks nice and innocent when he smiles, Emmy thought. The rope bridge, despite their reasoning, broke in the middle. Consumed by the flow of time. Emmy and Sam saw Simon disappearing into the abyss, but the boy didn't even cry. Chapter 25 Simon Emmy shouted in despair. Her heart began to pound wildly in her chest, her breath came short. She was sure she would faint. Then, she saw Sam, in front of her, plunging to the edge of the chasm, throwing himself safe on the ground, leaning toward the void with all his head. Simon! cried Sam. My friend! The bridge of ropes dangled in the air, broken in two halves. All that he could see. Nothing. Emmy's nails stuck in her palms. She turned pale and began to cry hysterically. Sam leaned more, facing nothingness. Below he could see only a darkness that the light of the torches could not shun away. Friend? He called puzzled. A hollow laugh reached them from below. Emmy opened her eyes, frozen. All right, kid. A voice from the abyss said, deep and booming, as if it came from the center of the earth. Simon. Emmy shouted. I'm still in one piece, girl, said the voice that belonged to Simon. A little sore but in one piece. You didn't fall then. Friend. Sam said again, happy. I trusted Jamie all right, but I rolled the rope around my calf. Just to stay on the safe side. It hurt like hell, but it blocked the fall. Emmy took a torch from one of the supports on the wall and bent over Sam. Now the light illuminated just Simon's shape, stuck against the edge of the hanging bridge, dangling in the air. Can you climb? Emmy asked. I think so. Guess he was in the Boy Scouts. Sam said. Emmy didn't think Boy Scouts taught how to handle a fall from a broken bridge, but she said nothing. However, Simon was able to extricate himself and to climb upwards. It didn't take too much, but he looked badly harmed. Finally, he reached a ledge of rock on the other side and greeted them with one hand. He looked in an awful state, but nothing seemed broken. 
Emmy felt better. Everything's okay, Simon said, then turned and reached the trunk. There was no lock. It wouldn't be necessary, once he got there. Simon leaned over it and opened it. In the light of the torches, his eyes glowed of the same reflections of gold. Do you find what you were looking for? Sam asked. As a matter of fact, I do. The trunk was very heavy. Simon had collected some of the ropes of the broken bridge and had used them to tie it. Then he had launched an end of the rope on the other side, and Sam and Emmy had pulled toward them. The rope bridge no longer existed, so Simon was forced to use the same system they used for the trunk. He passed the rope around his waist and then threw the other end to the other edge of the chasm. Sam and Emmy fixed it to a rock, and then they grabbed it too. Will it hold me? asked Simon before jumping. Of course it will. Sam lied. Simon launched himself into space, sure he would smash against the rocks, but he managed somehow to slow down his fall, using his feet to absorb the shock. Emmy felt the rope relaxing then stretching sharply, but in the end it held Simon's weight. You okay? She asked softly. Me okay. She heard. Simon hastened to climb up to his friends, moving smoothly, despite every part of his body was in pain. We made it. He said finally, when he finally emerged and reached the edge of the cleft. Can we go home, now? Sam simply asked. Simon seized him by the shoulders and hugged him tightly, sweet, dear Sammy. Chapter 26 It was a sweltering day of summer. Simon sat under his house's porch, sipping a drink and watching the great valley that lay below them. There was a slight breeze coming from the lake and the woods around it responded with a faint rustle, only broken, from time to time, by the clamor of a sparrow or the lure of a swallow from the distance. Two weeks had gone by since he, Emmy and Sam had found the treasure. Mum and Dad had been angry that night, when he had come back, dirty and covered with scratches and dried blood. He had sneaked in and had smiled amiably at them. Simon had opened his hands and had poured the gold coins on the floor. Mum and Dad had looked at him amazed and had stopped screaming. Probably it wouldn't help much, but things seemed to go for the better, and at least there was nobody at home shouting in the morning or crying secretly by night under the covers. There would be time to fix it all. Simon was fine with that. Sometimes time solved problem. Sometimes it did not. That was something that Jamie taught him, after all. Simon stretched cheerful, thinking how he was going to spend his share of the reward. Obviously, they could not hold the treasure. A museum would take care of it, but for their discovery a fair amount of money was due. Many journalists and scholars were been around in the last days, and Simon had enjoyed his moment of glory. Besides, he was now the most popular kid of his class at the moment, and even that rotten head of Jackie Zarbon seemed quiet lately. Jack sucked by the way. And he was still probably wondering how a snotty brat a little girl had fooled him, taking away right under his nose a treasure he could easily have. Simon smiled. Nothing better to think of. After all, that summer had proved to be not so bad so far. Moreover, Simon kept on wondering if the ones he found could be the best friends he could wish for. The ones worth loving. He wouldn't admit that. Creepy Sam and whining Emmy. He laughed. No way. Not even under torture. Sammy had disappeared just after they got the treasure, and he had not shown him around not even when the governor himself organized a reception in their honor. Emmy had got her scholarship. The next year would go to a prestigious college and she would be away for a while. 
Perhaps his father would leave for a cruise. Simon was told that he was promoted captain, and he would take her along. In truth Simon and Sam had hoped that Emmy could give up her scholarship and stay around. Or, even better, that they could leave with her for a world tour as well. They had enough of that stupid lake and all the stupid and boring stuff that went on there. After these few days respite, things will turn back as before, and once Emmy would leave, life would be back, boring and sad again, and Simon didn't like that part of the game. But now Emmy was still there, though, and the two of them spent every afternoon at Simon's place. They played together, reliving their adventure, and wondering where Sam ended up to. Emmy seemed to like his company, although she still tried to figure out how such a useless kid like he was, could play piano so damn well. When she asked, Simon just shrugged and kept on playing. It was fun. Emmy was. Or, better, she was not, when Kelly showed around, and Emmy left him alone. He could only look at her, as she headed upstairs to Kelly's, the two of them muttering incomprehensible girlish rubbish, staring at him from time to time and laughing. Stupid girls. And that said that. He didn't care by the way. Simon was still grounded, of course, but something made him believe that it wouldn't be forever. And the terms of his confinement were no such firm. He leaned back on his deck chair and crossed his hands behind his head. Not too bad. He said, after Mum brought him a huge bowl of ice cream and one of his favorite comics. Treasure hunting. On second thought, I should become a pro. Simon skipped the comic strips and turned straight to the puzzle section, the one with all those riddles and those mysteries with their impossible clues. He took a sip of his drink and breathed the fresh air that blew from the valley. Before he fell asleep, lulled by the wind, he saw a silhouette in the distance that he was becoming to be acquainted to. The shade went forward, in the backlight, smiling amiably while approaching. Simon closed his eyes and waited. A hand rested on his shoulder. Someone leaned down and get to his ear. Simon opened his eyes, smiling. Emmy has something for you. It was Sam. Go on. Simon said. An old library. An aged tome, a hundred of years old. In the last page, hidden inside the cover. True stuff. Leave by an explorer who sailed the seven seas. Real stuff. Three centuries old at least. A map, you mean. Said Simon. Sammy smiled, then ran away and disappeared over the hill. The wind brought within the smell of grass and pine trees. The big house was perched like an old camel over his dune in the desert. It dominated the valley, and Simon knew nothing in the world could be more pleasing. He clutched his hand on the scroll that Sam had left. Then he opened his eyes, again, and looked out into the distance, where the lake lost its way in the boundaries of the sky. Well, he thought, here we go again.